Cherry Hill Volvo, we have absolutely incredible offers and a plethora of both new and certified Volvos from which to choose. We are eager to offer amazingly competitive prices, plus an additional $1,000 Costco discount on all new Cherry Hill Volvos. When leasing or purchasing a new or certified Cherry Hill Volvo, you become a valued part of our team. Join Cherry Hill Volvo for the pricing and attention you deserve. I am Judith Krepnick, president of Cherry Hill Volvo. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. WPHT, WPHT, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. Mm-mm-mm. No, it is not. I'm sorry. That's a violation already right out of the blocks. No, no, no. Now, Zioli out today. It's Opelka sitting in for my buddy. Honored to be here. I just love it when I get the opportunity to sit in for Rich Zioli. And it's because of the Army and... Uh, let's let's not joke around. The two guys who are keeping me on the rails are the best in the business. And it, Henry and DeSantis, it is a pleasure. Henry and Ma- I should use your first name, Matthew DeSantis. <laughs> so uh, it is a it is a pleasure to be here with you two knuckleheads. And the fact that you tolerate my foolishness. We have so much on the agenda today. I wrote to. Uh, uh, Matt earlier and I said we need a four a fifth hour tonight. Better call Levin or tell Dom to get out of there early. It's like no, no, Dom's not going anywhere. And Levin, no, forget it. So we got four hours and we have five hours of show, literally, and and that's just up until now when we haven't gotten any new stuff. If you think about it, yesterday was an incredible day, and I know I was listening to Rich and preparing for today. And Rich and I are uh, twin sons of different mothers, whatever it was. And uh, I know that hipsters say brother from another mother. But no, I'm from the Dan Fogelberg, Tim Weisberg era. And uh, we both got up yesterday, although I was about six hours before, Rich, and listened to the entire Supreme Court thing. And the Supreme Court hearing the testimony and the grilling that the Colorado Attorney General and the other lawyer representing the people of Colorado, the grilling they got, they were grilled like a cheese sandwich and grilled by not just the conservative justices, but the liberals as well. And I thought, oh, this is going to be a great day. And then out of nowhere comes the the, her report, which is weird to say the her report because pronouns, you know, it's not H-E-R, it's H-U-R. But everybody's thinking, who's her? And where did her come from? No. Is her a they? No. Her's a her. Uh, the special special counsel, her, put out a report that basically said Joe Biden did what you, you know by now. Uh, he had classified documents. And he was rather cavalier with, with how they were stored or not stored. 
at his house, at his offices, offices. There were locations in in uh, not just Delaware, but in Philadelphia and in Virginia and in D.C. Classified documents when he was not the president, before he was the president, and you're not allowed to have them. So all of that was just breaking the law, and he was flaunting it. And they said, well, you know, he did all this, but we're not going to charge him because he's old and he forgets stuff. That's not a defense. The last time I checked, it is not a legal defense. And I've watched a lot of Judge Judy to know what a good defense is. That doesn't work. And then as, as that's going down, I'm thinking, okay, six o'clock comes rolling around. Here comes Tucker Carlson with Vladimir Putin. And boy, is this going to be fun. And then that comes out, and as I'm, as I'm watching that, as I'm 28 minutes into a Russian history lesson that I never really wanted, and I'm sure Tucker was thinking the same thing, uh, then we get, we get the press conference. And Joe Biden comes out, and he gives us a, a, just an epic press conference. And it's as if he were a terrorist with a political career suicide vest strapped to his chest. And he pulled the, uh, the trigger right there in front of everybody. He pulled the cord, boom. I think he blew up this presidency right there. I didn't know somebody's going, he's using such violent language. It's all metaphorically, okay? Everybody calm down. But I do think this was uh, the... Not just the beginning of the end, but the real beginning of the end. I think for some time this administration has been on rather thin ice. And if you listen to the Saturday Night Show, if you listen to me in other places, you know that I have believed that Joe Biden will not be on the ticket 269 days from now. Well, it's like 269 days in in eight hours from now when it's election day. I don't think Joe Biden is going to be on the ballot for the Democrats. I, I, I've also said I, I don't believe the left is going to let Donald Trump be on the ticket for the GOP. Mm, it's looking more and more like I might be wrong there, but it's also looking more and more like I might be right about Joe Biden. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. That's really the mantra today. It's not a matter of if, it is a matter of when. Now, when is the question? When is the question? And I posted a, a poll on Twitter X earlier, just about an hour ago, I guess. And let's wander over there and see if there is any, uh, any update on the mini Twitter X poll. I said, okay, I believe Biden's done. Toast, finito. But when does Joe pull the political ripcord? Currently, 36% of you say at the convention. 19% say in less than 90 days. 34.5% say never, and 10% are of our uh, Taylor Swift fans and say, who cares? That's, that's obviously, if you don't really care, you're probably a Taylor Swift fan or a communist, just saying. So that's the poll. And you go to uh, Twitter X and look for me at Stunt Brain or just put in Mike Opelka, no apostrophe, O P E L K. It's a good check name. And uh, you can be a participant. And we'll update the poll. And the reason um, I haven't told you my vote yet is because I wanted to see where you are. I'll tell you near, near the end of the show, or at least a halfway point. 
But if you um, if you believe that it's going to happen, you should vote. And if you don't believe, you should also put in the never check. So uh, participate, be part of it, and and join the conversation too. 855-839-1210 is the number. 855-839-1210. It was fun last night after the press conference and after I got through the slog of the two hours of Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson, which I give Tucker Carlson a lot of credit, a lot of credit. Uh, I, I just started watching some of the other networks, started watching MSNBC and CNN to see how they were going to dig themselves out of this. And MSNBC decided they were going to go all in. So they got the memo. They got the talking points memo from the party with a capital P. The party would send out uh, where where they want this uh, this discussion on air to go. And MSNBC, I have to tell you, was a little more faithful to the party, capital P, than than the other guys. They really played the game. And there was somebody doing the whataboutism. What about Donald Trump? He he confused Nikki Haley and Nancy Pelosi the other day. Yeah. What about that? Well, OK, uh, I'll give you about 10 to one Biden gaffes to Trump gaffes. Easily 10 to one, maybe even more. There are hours of um, video of Joe Biden saying dumb things, screwing up, you know, the thing. Uh, I hold these truths to be self-evident that all men and women are created. You, you know the thing. There's hours. And Donald Trump might have a half hour over the last six years or so. But uh, MSNBC held true to their corporate mantra that Democrat, no matter what, we are going to carry water because they want all the guests and they want to hire all the people that leave the administration too. Jen Snarky is there right now. They're paying her a bazillion dollars. And then over at CNN, I noticed something that uh, I thought was pretty, 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 to quote Larry David, uh, pretty, pretty, pretty remarkable. And that was CNN actually fact-checked Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. last night. Yeah, it happened. CNN's MJ Lee who was in the uh, press conference. As a matter of fact, she was one of the women reporters who were yelling at Joe Biden, and he shouted her down rather rudely. And we'll get to that. We'll play that clip in a little bit. But MJ Lee, after the whole fiasco, went outside and stood in front of the White House where the White House reporters always have that little backdrop behind them. You see the White House lit up. And um, she played the fact check card from CNN, and I think we should go through this because it wasn't happening on MSNBC. As a matter of fact, MSNBC early today, very early today, around 7.18 this morning, I was watching MSNBC so you don't have to. I'm a giver. I give. And uh, Joe Scarborough and Mika Brzezinski were on with their panel of, of uh, water carriers and they played the clip where Joe Biden says he called the president of Mexico, Assisi, and told him to open the gate. And MSNBC took that portion 
out of the tape. They actually clipped around the gaff in order to cover up for Joe Biden. So, you know, what, what most of us heard was Joe Biden going back. He, he had every opportunity to leave the room. And the room is very significant historically. I don't know if you guys know this. Henry, Matthew, do you know why that room is historically significant as it relates to presidents making declarative statements? I do not, know. It is truly a historic location. And I I think the books are still the same, too. You know how they always have the books behind them? Yeah. You know, when you see someone on camera and they have the books behind them, especially if they're an expert on a cable TV show, a pundit, if you will. You know, there's a Washington, D.C. company that will sell you books by the yard. They'll rent them to you so you can put like smarty smart looking books behind you. Really? Yeah, that you've never rented. You've never read them. No, no, you don't have to read them. You just have to have them. You just have to have them behind you as a backdrop and it, it, it infers your intelligence. So uh, but these books, these books have been there in, in the White House in the same spot for some time now. I'll play it for you. Somebody might guess it. Somebody might know that that room was historically significant and uh, presidentially historically significant and how amazing, (laughs) how amazing this was. But um, let me get back to I'm no bouncing all around here. MSNBC took this point where Joe Biden rushed back from the exit. I mean, he had one foot out the door. Not metaphorically, actually physically. He was about to leave and go get himself some ice cream before he watched the tape-delayed version of Wheel of Fortune and then uh, reruns of Hazel before he went to bed at 8.30. He was out the door. He, is, he was gondolagoo, as they say in Brooklyn. Uh, but he had to go back because somebody asked him a question about Israel. And he went back to the podium. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, yes, as you know, go on. Initially, the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. So all of that was cut out when he said uh, the president of Mexico, Al Sisi, MSNBC just jumped over to the next thing. So they're doing their 1984 number right there and absolutely manipulated the public. But Joe lied. Joe lied out his patootie absolutely fibbed and i'll I'll get to the fibs because i want to play the clips for you it's a long clip it's about a minute and a half from ej lee she is a reporter from cnn a journalist i'm understanding that's what she says is on her business card and uh she's one of the people who biden shouted down yesterday but the the phones are lighting up already so let's check out the phones uh nancy's on the line from horsham hello nancy welcome to the up They got to her. The NSA got to her already. (laughs) 
Nancy, uh, you can call back, but Nancy said the Biden administration asked to see the report before it was released or made public. Now, that's not unusual. Look, if you're the president of the United States and the DOJ uh, is putting together a report after a special uh, counsel has investigated you for the past 18 months, you would expect you have some friends inside the DOJ and you'd be able to get the DOJ to to give you uh, a sneaky peeky, as it were. Somebody would send you an email on the download, probably send it to one of Joe Biden's fake email addresses. You know, he's got all those goofy email addresses like Mr. Robinette or Mr. Robin, whatever it is. So I'm not surprised. And, and I think that probably happens in the um, in the Republican administrations too. Nancy is back. Hello, Nancy. Glad you're back. Welcome. Hi, thank you. Um, you know, they say Biden means well. I think it just should say that he's mean. Because remember, he called half the country domestic terrorists. That's right. Um, and then- and then he also said he has Israel's back, but he didn't mention the knife he was going to put in Israel's back. <laughs> oh, oh, oh. Um, that is so good. And, and last night, here, that, that comment about Israel, did you see what Netanyahu did today, this morning, a few hours after that? He bombed the hell out of, out of uh, uh, the Rafa area, as he's going to now go after that area. So good job, Joe. Right. But so here, here's my real comment. You know, um, in the first, first main paragraph of that summary by the AG and the Department of Justice, it discloses that Biden's White House lawyers that we pay for and his personal attorneys requested to see a draft of the um, memo beforehand, which they did. So all of this acting like, oh, it's a big shock, it's a big surprise, you know, to Biden and everybody else, he knew beforehand they had time to prepare what he was going to say. And I'm sure the media, his media buddies knew beforehand. So we're being played. And the bottom line is that the Democrats are above the law. Well, I think you're absolutely correct on on the sneaky Pete part of this, that the the uh, memo was leaked in its draft form the same way that the the uh, overturning of Roe v. Wade was leaked months ahead of its release. But what I think this was done, though, and tell me if you think I'm right on this, Nancy. Uh, I think they were waiting to take the heat off another bit of bad news for Biden. And that was yesterday's Supreme Court hearing. So that came well, out and suddenly it was all good news for Donald Trump. And we had to say, oh, let's put out this report. It says Joe's Joe's not going to be charged. That'll that'll take him away. Well, that's possible, but, you know, I happen to be an attorney, and I've never heard of the opposite side, the opposition, being provided the other party's information beforehand, and then Biden's lawyers had an opportunity to comment on the draft. Well, remember, uh, Joe Biden has, for three three years and weeks now, told us that it's not his Justice Department. He thinks it's the People's Justice Department, and he has not weaponized it, which means he's done exactly the opposite. So I don't think we should be surprised by by the fact that they were demanding or hinting strongly that they needed a copy of this. Read the read that first par- first full paragraph of the summary, and you'll see what I'm referring to. I will definitely do that. I, I appreciate it, Nancy. It's nice to know we have really smart people listening because when I make mistakes, I'm sure you'll put me back on track. I hope you will. 
<laughs> Thank you. Take care. Uh, one more quick one. Ed in Delran, New Jersey, joining us. I think this is my super fan. I don't know, but I think... Yes, yes, it is. Hey, listen, when I'm on the pike, I always listen to my main man, Mike, because he'll strike like the iron is hot. (laughs) You are a poet, my friend. I I know, and I got to show it. (laughs) Okay, so listen, let's talk about Joe Bite Me. This guy is so pathetic. It is unreal. I have never seen anything like it in my lifetime. And man, I thought Jimmy Carter was bad. This well, guy is so slimy and corrupt. If my dad, who was a World War II vet, was alive, he'd want Biden to have a fair trial and a firing squad the next day. You know, it's it's really interesting. I, I'm trying to figure out the timeline here, Ed. And I, a decent man with a decent family, and Joe Biden keeps telling us he is. That's why. And Dom talked about this, too. I was so glad I heard Dom Giordano talking about this, but he picked up on it, and it's it's only because it's rock-solid true. Joe Biden virtue signals with that rosary. Joe Biden is the worst cafeteria Catholic I've ever seen, and if you've not heard that term, a cafeteria Catholic, it's the term my mother used, my late mother, my sainted mother used to use. Cafeteria Catholic is a Catholic who walks up and down the faith and goes, well, I believe in that. I'll have some of that. That right there, I don't believe in that. So none of that for me. Hey, Mike, let me quote my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He said, many people will show up in sheep's clothing, but they're really wolves inside. This guy is a wolf if I've ever seen one. Yes, he is. And he showed how mean he was last night with MJ Lee and then pulling out the rosary like he's trying to use it to get everybody to shut up. Uh, what, how dare you ask a question? I have a rosary. If I only could remember where I got it from St. Agnes hey, of the punctured the lung quote, or something. The quote, the, yeah, to quote, to quote Rush Limbaugh, he is as phony as a $3 bill, and Rush used to call him Joe Bite Me. Yeah, well, they think they want Michelle Obama. I like the Joe Bite Me thing. Very good. Very good. Okay, thank you, Ed. I got it from I'm glad you're there. I, do we have time? Uh, Henry, do I have time to take one more call? Yeah, why not? All right. Robert in Ben Salem. Robert in fabulous Ben Salem is with us. Hello, yes, Robert. Yes, it is. Beautiful out here. It's good to talk to you, Mike. Uh, I'm also known as Robert Soros Rex, if you remember. Oh, the <laughs> Robert anyway, Soros Rex. Yes, yes. yes. It's your dinosaur <laughs> name. I forgot about that identity. <laughs> After I got over my outrage at the double standard, I decided that I love this conclusion because they're publicly saying Joe broke the law, but he's too demented to prosecute. So I'm assuming that's going to be the last nail in his coffin. Well, but here's, I took here's I'm the, sorry, hold, hold on one second. Let's take that, mm-hmm. Robert. And then Joe right. came out and said, but I'm not I'm not mentally challenged. I'm not non compos mentis or whatever uh-huh. the right legal term is. He's saying he's fine, his memory's fine, he knows what the hell he's doing. So does that mean that if we believe that, then we should be able to charge him? Um, well, I haven't believed anything he said for the last four years, so I'm not going to conveniently do so now just to prosecute him. It's too late in the game for all that. He's let, let him be the Democrats' problem, okay? Let's just work on fixing the problems and key on the fact that it's not just Biden. The Democrats supported everything he did 100%. I'm not going to listen to them say, oh, poor Joe, we didn't know he was that bad. We'll fix what he did, blah, blah, blah. I'm not buying it. 
But I do know that when I, I took care of an uncle who had Alzheimer's for the last few years, and they often confuse recent events. So that mistake he made with Assisi, he might have been hearkening back to the time not too long ago when he actually did ask the president of Mexico to open the gates. You know what I mean? And well, now he's just confusing it with Assisi now, you know. <laughs> not not too far off the, uh, the realm of probability or possibility here, Robert. Thank you. That's a great. I have so many places I need to rock and roll today, but we're off to a rolling start here. And uh, thank all of you for being here. We have a ton of things to get to. And uh, one of the more interesting things, so many of us now who are either late stage baby boomers, people who were on the on the baby boomer bus near the end of it or Generation X or uh, millennials. However, we're now seeing parents who have cognitive issues. And one of the problems in cognitive issues is something called sundowners, sundowner syndrome. And that means when the sun goes down, those people, they get a little mean and they're not themselves. And last night when Joe Biden came out and he was, uh, he was all full of uh, spit and vinegar, I almost said the P word, and he was yelling at people. There were people on the uh, liberal media side who were saying, look how strong he is. He came out. He was full of rage. Um, little sundowners on display, if you ask me. I'll, I'll show you the fact checking, the unusual fact checking from CNN. We'll also uh, get to uh, some interesting takes on the economy later with EJ Antoni. And uh, some crazy things going on, including the latest backyard trend. It's not a hot tub. It's not a pool. But it's something I think America needs. And it makes me feel kind of good about stuff. I got a lot to get to. You're welcome at 855-839-1210. It's Opelka in for Zioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. T-Mobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. The Zioli Show, on your schedule, from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is 3.33 on this Friday. Friday Louia to you, by the way. Uh, we celebrate Fridays even 
with all of the turmoil and madness that's surrounding us. It's Mike Opelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show today. And boy, oh boy, it just it just keeps growing. The the stories and the depth on this story, just this first story, this first gigantic story of of this hour, the story of what happened yesterday with special counsel's report has to be has to be the biggest story of the hour. And of course, brought to you by our friends at Venaria Dental, Uh, the best, absolutely the best Venaria Dental. Thank you. Uh, This this story, when we look at uh, the item that we were directed to earlier, just in one of our early calls here, the reality that Nancy and Horsham suggested we take a look at that very first paragraph of the council's report, it does say, very first paragraph, as we previously discussed, at the request of the White House counsel and personal counsel to President Biden, collectively counsel, I agreed with certain conditions, including non-disclosure, to allow counsel to review a draft of the report for the purposes purposes of determining whether to assert any claim of privilege, you know, presidential privilege, like uh, Donald Trump's been trying to say he has immunity and privilege, and otherwise providing comments to the special counsel's office. Counsel, meaning the White House counsel and Biden's personal attorney, reviewed the draft of the report on February 3rd and 4th. Now, it came out yesterday on the 8th. So the draft was reviewed, and they sent in a couple of corrections. Corrections that um, special counsel Her refers to as minor errors. So out of this entire 330-some-odd pages, there were just a couple of minor errors. Three. For example, the draft report stated that we reviewed the materials that were deemed to be classified at top-secret, sensitive, compartmented information level when the National Security Council conducted pre-publication review for the Reagan Diaries. Uh, we have amended that sentence, they say, to it's by adding some of after the word reviewed. So we reviewed some of the material. So that's a gigantic nothing burger. The second thing they had to correct, in Chapter 12, the draft report cited Chapter 4 in a footnote. Draft report 892, we have amended that footnote to read C, National Archives, whatever. So it's an update to a footnote. And the final, the third minor change that was made, the draft report included a section heading that read Marked Classified Documents, in second floor office. Well, they have amended that because the Biden family said, no, no, it wasn't in the second floor office. It was in the third floor den. Well, who can tell when you got classified documents everywhere, you dolts? So the Biden team, his legal team and the White House team had this as early as last Saturday. And they reviewed it Saturday and Sunday and then sent their changes, which this report was finalized on a Monday the 5th, and then handed over. You assume that it was finished on Monday the 5th, handed to Attorney General Merrick Garland's office that day, 
They reviewed it for a couple of days, and then it was released yesterday. And now the rumors, a buzz around Washington that Merrick Garland or some of the lieutenants in the DOJ are going to be booted. I think that would be a bad move. I know uh, Dom was paralleling it to the the uh, firing of, of Special Prosecutor Archibald Cox by Richard Nixon. When he sacked Archibald Cox, everybody said that Nixon was a Cox sacker. And I said, that's really a poor choice of words. You should never call somebody that. You should just say you fired him. Don't call him a Cox sacker. That's, that's terrible. But um, let, that, let that be. So I don't anticipate any firings of Merrick Garland or any of his top lieutenants. And as I say that, keep your eyes on the wires because it probably means something will happen. So then last night, this press conference happens. Joe Biden comes out and makes an angry statement and then makes the mistake of taking some questions. And uh, one of the people he shouted down was MJ Lee from CNN. And uh, he was waving his finger at her. And it was, I, I'm reminded so often of Grandpa Simpson and how Grandpa Simpson, uh, yes, I'm referring to the animated show from the uh, wonderful people at Fox, The Simpsons. Grandpa Simpson would just ramble on about stuff and then get angry and say crazy things. It's Joe Biden. It's that or he's Chauncey Gardner from being there. But this is the reality that that Joe Biden was angry and hollering. And so it's it's amazing to me that we're now seeing the media start to turn as they are waking up and realizing that um, this guy ain't right. This guy has um, he's got some synapses that aren't aren't firing correctly. Or they're snapping, like he's snapping at the people there. And when he yelled, he did not share classified information with my ghostwriter. I guarantee you, did not. Yeah, that happened last night. Be president of the United States and finish the job I started. <laughs> I did not share classified information. I did not share it with, your ghost with my ghostwriter. I did not guarantee you did not. But what the, the said well, no, they did not. Yes, this the, he said the special counsel says you did. And he goes, no, they did not. Well, yes, they did. And to give you uh, a little more accurate breakdown on this, M.J. Lee one of the journalists over there at uh, CNN. And she may be the only one at this point. I don't know. And by the way, um, Henry and uh, Matthew, um, just a total ADD moment here while we're talking about CNN. Do, do you guys have the clip of when Wolf Blitzer may have started like projectile vomiting and had to, had to leave the set during a live broadcast last night? <laughs> no, I don't have that. I didn't even know it occurred. Um. Just to look up last night on CNN, to do a quick scan on Wolf Blitzer last night. He was on with Jamie Raskin, the radical Democrat uh, from the House. And suddenly there was like this weird sound, like some beast was crawling out from inside him. And then they cut to only Raskin and they went to a commercial break uncomfortably. And then Wolf was gone when they came back. But there was an ungodly sound. <laughs> Off camera. I think I'm looking at the video right now. He looks like he's going to get sick. I yeah, have it's it if like you he's want holding it. it in. 
No, we'll go. Well, let's let's save that because I, I want to preview it during the break too to make sure I heard what I heard. <laughs> he does not look good. No, and I, I I happen to like Wolf. He's rather avuncular. I've bumped into him in public, and he was really nice. But let's get to um, uh, MJ Lee because I've teased this too too much today already. CNN's MJ Lee after Joe Biden shook his finger at her like Abe Simpson. Uh, then she went out on the White House lawn and gave her report about fact-checking Joe Biden. Yeah, a couple of things uh, from our colleague Daniel Dale that I think are uh, worth highlighting uh, on air. Uh, for one, the president said that everything that was discovered in his home were in filing cabinets that were either locked or able to be locked. Well, the report says, yes, there were some documents that were inside of cabinet drawers, but there were other documents, including ones related to Afghanistan, uh, found in an unsealed and badly damaged box inside the garage. Some of these photos obviously show the bad shape that some of these things uh, were in. They said that there were uh, notebooks, too, that were in unlocked to drawers in the office and den of the president's Wilmington home. So, number one, fact-checking. Uh, no, Joe, they weren't all in locked cabinets. Now we have pictures of the, the beat-up boxes in the garage next to the dog crate. And you wonder what happened to that dog. You know, this isn't a family that does well with pets. Continue, MJ. Something else that the president said, he said that none of the documents were high classified. Uh, but if you look at the report, it specifically says that some of these documents were marked as top secret, sensitive, compartmented information, which is a high level of classification. And that there were some no uh, notebooks uh, that contained information that were also at this level. Uh, just the last thing I would point out too: the president said in his remarks yesterday that he didn't share any classified information with his ghostwriter. This is a ghostwriter who who helped him uh, work on his memoir. Well, the report explicitly says the opposite. It says that the president shared information, some of which were classified with this ghostwriter, and read from some notebooks, uh, including notes that came from meetings in the Situation Room. So uh, clearly the president was trying to defend himself, but there were some comments that were contradictory to the details that were in this long report. Mm -hmm. Well, two things out of the three things she fact-checks about. Number one, very good that MJ Lee gave credit to the guy on the CNN staff who actually did the fact-checking and gave it to her. That's nice to see. Because those guys aren't on camera making the big bucks. Good for her. And uh, when, when she said Joe referred to something as high classified, does that mean Hunter saw it? That's what I would like to know. Was Hunter reading the classified information while he was getting getting all cracked up at the white at, at the uh, Wilmington home? I'm just wondering. So uh, three fact checks from CNN. Now, if this had been Donald Trump, they would have led with Donald Trump lies. Now it's just called inconsistencies. Now, these are lies. This guy broke the law and we're not prosecuting him because well, he's old and his memory is bad. Um, last time I checked, that's not in the law. All right, we have so much to get to, including did Wolf Blitzer blow chunks last night on CNN? I think CNN would get better ratings if Wolf would occasionally get. I, I shouldn't. I should be careful. He might not be well. We'll find out. I'll, we'll screen this during the break. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. Thanks for listening to The Zioli Show podcast.
podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. It is Friday, Super Bowl Friday. You know, we should talk about this, too. I'm not talking about the game because I don't care. I, I do hope San Francisco wins because I think that would spoil any potential on field. No. Well, yeah, I hope San Francisco wins. No. Brock Purdy. I do. Ugh. Why not? I mean, the guy was picked last. He was Mr. Insignificant, right? I want the 49ers to crash and burn. Does as someone an e- have as a- an Eagles fan? Does someone have a gambling problem? No. I haven't I haven't placed any bets in the game yet. Well, there's still time. There's still yeah, there's still plenty of time. Just I I, I do not want to see them win in any sort of fashion. Well, I, I just would like to see Brock Purdy win because two things. Brock Purdy will find a way to thank his Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and it makes the networks crazy. And they always will try and cut around it. But if he's got the Super Bowl trophy and the MVP trophy, potentially, they won't be able to cut around it. And it will make a lot of people's sphincters tighten up. And that always makes me happy when network sphincters tighten up. I bet that's probably the first time we've talked about sphincters tightening up on the Zeola show. <laughs> that's probably the first reference, I, yeah. Do, do a content search on that, please. <laughs> It's the the 9th of February, which is also a historic day. 60 years ago today, the Beatles were on the Ed Sullivan Show, and we mentioned sphincters tightening on the Zeolda Show. I'll mark it down, 353. There you go, right there. So I'm I'm thinking, though, the real question, because I don't care. Other than that, I don't care about the game. I really don't. And I'm, I'm happy I'll have my annual celebration of uh, football, American football, by having a a couple of beers because I usually don't drink beer. And so I'll do that while I'm watching the game and and talking about the commercials, which are now inconsequential. They used to be so important. But the halftime show, and here's what I'm looking for, just from the Zioli Show audience, 855-839-1210, just casually throughout the show. I, I thought this would have been a great side question for Dom, and I, I saw that he didn't do it, so I said, okay, I'll do this. What's the worst halftime show you've seen? The first 24 really don't count because they didn't, they didn't corporatize it, the first 24 Super Bowls. You know, the first one, I think it was a marching band from a Miami high school or something. But the, the worst halftime show that you've seen, I have a couple nominees that I'll share with everybody. I, I, everybody agrees the best was Prince, right? When he played Purple Rain in the Rain. I mean, that. There's one that pops into mind instantaneously. The which one? The most famous halftime show of them all. Not Janet Jackson. Yeah, that's, that's the most famous one. But that's famous. It wasn't that bad, actually. It was just a little nip slip that we saw. And we didn't even see it. It was kind of like just a, like a tenth of a second. <laughs> yeah, but weren't they fined, uh, I don't know, hundreds of thousands of dollars? I would say that's a disaster. Yeah, but uh, I'm talking about artistically. Oh, okay. You know, it was, it was actually pretty good entertainment. Uh, Justin Timberlake, Janet Jackson singing and dancing. It was going until that very last... <laughs> Now, did did I see what I thought I saw? Did I see nippleage on on Janet Jackson? Did I? Yeah. And then the people didn't have like regular DVRs. Everybody had TiVos, right? So it was the most TiVoed moment. 
because they were measuring all that. And I'll tell you what happened, because this was monumental in terms of affecting American society. At the time, my wife was writing soap operas. She's the smart one in the family, you see. And the networks flipped out. She was writing a CBS soap opera, as a matter of fact, and the CBS carried the Super Bowl. They called like Sunday night, late night network meetings. And then Monday, they all had to go in and they broadcast standards and practices department was reviewing every single script. And soap operas are usually shot five weeks ahead of time. So they were going through all the shows that were already on tape and changing them. Oh, there's, these people are on a bed at the same time. This lady's wearing a scant, she's scantily clad. We can't have that. They're going to be using a, a righteous scope on all of our shows going forward. So it did have a serious effect, but I'm talking about the worst show. Just what was the worst one? Yeah, those first 24 were given a free pass. Because <laughs> like I said, they were marching bands and, and whoever was available would come out and, and sing for a few minutes and then they'd go back. And if you go back in the first Super Bowl... Um, the Chiefs were in that Super Bowl, too. It wasn't called the Super Bowl then. It was the NFC, NFL versus the AFL. Uh, Lenny Dawson, the quarterback for the Chiefs, there's a famous picture of him during the game sitting on a folding, folding chair at halftime, smoking a cigarette and drinking a fresca. That picture goes so hard. Is that not the greatest oh, example so cool. so of how cool. far we've come? You know, Tom Brady's probably getting plasma swaps during some of his Super Bowl halftimes. And here you got Lenny Dawson. He's got a cigarette and a fresca. Just absolutely great. Well, I've talked us through this this hour, and I I didn't get to the Wolf Blitzer thing. So uh, I vow to you we will kick off next hour with this uh, breaking news. And I'm I'm amazed that no one's really talking about it because you guys haven't heard anybody talking about this, have you? I didn't even hear about it until you mentioned it, and I went through the news today pretty thoroughly. Well, I'm, I'm watching Jamie Raskin because he always makes me angry. You know, he's just such an Fair. angry guy, and he survived cancer, for God's sakes. Can you be a little happier? Can you not be this offensive? Uh, he's just an angry leftist. And I'm watching him on with Wolf Blitzer, and I'm going, well, that doesn't look right. Wolfie doesn't look good. And then, well, you'll hear the sound. You won't be able to see it on the radio unless you, you, I paint the picture with words, which we'll try and do. And so much more to get to, including later in the show, EJ Antoni is going to join us in about an hour and we'll figure out, uh, is the economy in any kind of shape that should make people happy? I don't know. So much to get to. Michael Pelka in for Zioli on the Zioli Show. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7, Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter always live on the free Odyssey app the revolution will be broadcast this is the next generation of talk now on talk radio 1210 WPHT Rich Zioli it is the Zioli Show, but uh, Richard is not here today. I am sitting in for him. I am Michael Pelka. You usually can find me Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m., and I will be here this Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m., and you can also find me at pureopelka.com and on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram, all those places. 
But I'm here this afternoon to sit in for my buddy. It's a particularly interesting news day as we are now in the, um, I guess this is the second wave, the aftershocks of yesterday. And there were all kinds of little, little earthquakes in the political world yesterday. And the media is trying to react. I was looking at social media or during the break there, and I saw Road Warrior, who's always a great contributor, saying, uh, that presser last night is all you need to know about stubbornness. That's true. Joe Biden had his, had his way out and turned around and, and was right back in there. And uh, that, that was fantastic. Alfred Q. Hollick, one of my favorite Twitter accounts, Al Q. Hollick, I see what you did there, Johnny Wales, said, uh, can we just fast forward to February 2025? Wouldn't that be special? We'd be a couple weeks into the Trump presidency again, wondering if he made the right choice for vice president. That's one of those things we'll get into. But there's a lot to cover this hour. We'll we'll stay on target with what's going on from yesterday and then uh, dive into a little bit of what happened with Vladimir Putin and Tucker Carlson. I believe I checked just before we went on air, and you guys can verify this or not. Uh, it looks like... Tucker's interview, two hours. Come on, Tucker. Uh, this is why editors get paid big bucks. Uh, two hours, Tucker. Uh, it's seen, it's already had something like 138 million views. Is it bigger than that right now, Henry? Have you seen anything to alert that? Uh, no, I haven't seen anything right now. Oh, wait, here we go. I, here's an update 144 million views. Wow. Wow, I, I know. I think that was the number Dan called. Big Dan was saying yesterday at the end of the show with Dom, they were trying to make a prediction about what the number would be. And Dan said easily 100 million. And Dom said 200. And he said, no, I, I think it's going to be about 150. We need to find out who Dan's picking for the Super Bowl. Is that just <laughs> YouTube? Uh, that's just on uh, Twitter. On Twitter. Yeah. Oh, okay. So we haven't even factored like TikTok or anything like that either. And in fairness, it was actually posted twice. Oh, wait. Sorry. Never mind. It was only posted once on, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, 144 million. It'll go up, I'm sure, because his explanation for why he was interviewing Putin is, um, like, I guess, three days old now, and that has almost as many views. And so I assume that the interview is going to be of more interest than the explanation. Wait, the, th the three minute thing where he said <laughs> yeah. why he was in Moscow so already got 100. 150 million uh, 100 uh, just short of 120 to be exact so if you look at the numbers the rating numbers the hard tv numbers fox news averages like 1.2 million in prime time per show and when tucker left fox when he was shown the door i think he was ever averaging like 3.3 million and so they've lost just over a million in average it's still a decent number. They're still leading. They're still ahead of MSNBC and, and almost four times as large as CNN's audience. But that's still got to be a kick in the teeth. And now here comes Tucker, and, and he's, he's putting up gigantic numbers. Just gigantic numbers, and good for him. Congratulations, Tucker. Uh, we'll talk about that show. But we were talking about last night, uh, Wolf Blitzer had a situation in the Situation Room. It was um, Jamie Raskin, the, the guy who survived cancer 
And I really think that if God gives you a second chance, you you really should adjust a little bit. And maybe people can't change that easily. But Jamie Raskin had a battle with cancer. We used to see him with, uh, he had like a do-rag on all the time. I don't know if you remember seeing that. Uh, but he that was because he had the, the cancer, the chemo treatments, etc. So uh, I saw on social media last night that Wolf Blitzer was trending. And then I clicked on the video and it was Wolf with Jamie Raskin, the Democrat, House Democrat, who's always throwing shade on uh, anything to do with Trump. And he likes to throw the MAGA word out there. You know, extreme MAGA Republicans. Yeah, what make America great again is really an extreme thing. So Raskin is on with Wolf Blitzer. And if you're watching Wolf, he's got that beard, which he's had for quite some time now. And his neck started doing these little things that would bulge out a little bit while he was sitting there listening to Raskin. They were in the two boxes. Jamie Raskin was in Virginia and Wolf was in the studio. And you started looking at Wolf's eyes and his eyes started glazing over. And that's when this thing happened. You guys have the clip. Yeah, it does look like a majority of the the conservative justices arrived at the oral arguments today with their minds completely made up. Of course, they're using different hooks to hang their hats on. Some of them seem to think that the president is not covered by Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, which the rest of them, I think, agree is ridiculous. The others seem to be congregating around the argument that was offered by Trump's uh, able lawyer, uh, basically making the point that Um, Well, Trump might be disqualified from holding office, but he's not disqualified from running for office. And if he were removed from the ballot in Colorado, as the Colorado Supreme Court found he should be, Congress might act in the meantime to exercise our two thirds authority to remove the disability from Donald Trump. Now, that's obviously an extravagant hypothetical because we know there's not a two-thirds majority in Congress to remove his insurrectionist disability. But nonetheless, it's a fair legal point, and I do think the conservatives are congregating around it. If you do want to base this decision on hypotheticals, however, hypothetically, um, the state legislature could still... We're here to get your... So right there, pause it right there for a second. They had cut to Jamie Raskin full screen for about the last 20 seconds of that. And you can barely hear it, but you can kind of hear this. But Wolf's neck was bulging out like like he was holding back something rising up from his gut. And then they let Raskin ramble on. And he must have been sitting there thinking, I can't believe they're letting me go this long without interrupting me. I'm spewing some really good leftist stuff here. And then they cut him off. That just, boom, went right to break. And after that, after the commercials, they came back, and this is what we heard. side of the story. Affairs. I'm Paula Reed in Washington. Wolf had to step away. He'll be back. But there's other news we're following here in the Situation Room. Far-right media personality Tucker Carl. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Paula Reed. Has anyone heard of Paula Reed before? <laughs> she got her big her big debut yesterday. And then you guys said you saw Wolf uh, had posted something on the Twitter X. 
Yeah, he said that he was fine and that he would be back at the uh, Situation Room soon. So he can't be that fine if he's not coming back tonight. Soon, but not now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I feel bad for Wolf because, like I said, he's uh, he's amiable when you meet him in public. And you, those people often aren't. But he, he was uh, a friendly dude the times I bumped into him. And uh, so we saw that. If you want to see the whole thing, you can see it's on on Twitter, X, social media. Just put in Wolf Blitzer. It pops right up. Everybody jumped on it. Uh, this little social media check-in, courtesy of our friends at uh, Cherry Hill Volvo. Thank you, Cherry Hill Volvo. Uh, so many things that I, I do want to talk about today. And I have to talk about schadenfreude. You guys are familiar with schadenfreude. I think we've discussed this concept, have we not? We have, but can you refresh my memory? Thank you. Schadenfreude, it's a German word. It's the word uh, describing the feeling of happiness that you get at the misfortune of someone else. Gotcha. Now so, that, like me celebrating the 49ers losing the Super Bowl. Yes, you would have a schadenfreude moment if, the, if that extreme possibility happens. And you would be awash in, in joy at the misfortune of the 49ers. Now, if that, if that happens, that would be schadenfreude. Well, I had a schadenfreude moment uh, the other day uh, when, when Sonny Hostin, one of the ironically named people on The View, you know, they got three of them there. They have Sonny and Joy and Whoopi. If you can't think of three more ironically named people, I, I, I don't think you're paying attention. Sonny Hostin, who is just an agua fiesta, as my, my Spanish-speaking friends would say. She's just a wet blanket on every party. Anybody who doesn't fall in line with her thinking, she just has to make fun. She made fun of Nikki Haley, not using her real name, and without realizing the hypocrisy, the hypocritical irony of the fact that Sonny is not her name. It's like Sunitha or something, but she calls herself Sonny and made fun of Nikki Haley. But Sonny Hostin is one of these um, angry liberals who's part of the cabal on The View. She's part of the daily cackle fest that goes after anyone who doesn't agree with them. And she also was invited to appear on a show that it looks back at your roots. It's the one that's on PBS, hosted by Henry yeah. Louis Gates, mm -hmm. Skip Gates. Remember him? He's the one that caused the beer summit in the Obama White House. He's the guy that's, uh, that Obama said the police acted stupidly. That's Henry Gates. He, he was a professor, I guess, at Harvard. But uh, Skip Gates has this show on PBS called Finding Your Roots or whatever the heck it is. And every Sunday evening or whenever the show's on, they get famous people and they've gone back through their heritage and they introduce them to their history, their past. And I, I saw this was on the other night and my wife likes this show. My wife, Donna, loves this show. And she goes, hey, look, there's a brand new one here. No, Sonny Hostin, not interested. Don't want to see it. Sorry. Thank you. Now, I wish I had because it turns out that Sonny Hostin found out about her history. She found out about her roots. And, uh, well, let's just say it was a, a, a little bit of a surprise, and she had to uh, 
She had to fess up on The View and tell everybody the real story behind Sonny's family. I was really reluctant. I don't know how you felt when you did it, Whoopi, but I was really reluctant to do it because I just sensed that there could be something in my family history that would be um, disappointing. Um, Negative. Negative, yes. I thought I was going to have that kind of moment. And Skip had asked me to do it for a long time. And I finally decided to do it because I thought it'd be helpful for my children and my children's children to know what their real real history was, you know. But what I found out was that my mother's family, while um, they are Puerto Rican, they actually originate from Spain. And the reason that they moved to Puerto Rico is because the slave trade had been sort of canceled in Spain and then Curacao and then they moved all of their slaves to Puerto Rico Mm -hmm. and so the biz the family business I have been told that they were printers and journalists but they were in fact enslavers Mm -hmm. Um, and my mother (laughs) fell over the audience deeply disappointing (laughs) yeah deeply disappointing I wonder if this will make her look differently upon people who learn that maybe that at the time Slavery was accepted, and in fact, many of the slaves that were sent from Africa were actually sold by black slave traders to the people who were selling them. It's horrible, the idea of slavery, but it was a business at the time. And now Sonny Hostin, one of the people who's regularly calling for people uh, on the right, She's calling them racists and calling them to be canceled, etc., and probably supports the removal of statues. I don't know. I'd have to go back and check in her history. But now she's discovered uh, that her own history, her own family, her own family was filled with slave traders. And they had to leave Spain. They took up, they took up their entire family and relocated them from Spain to Puerto Rico just because they wanted to keep selling human beings. I mean, that's a pretty big deal. If if you're in the business of, of slavery, it's not like you can jump on a plane and just go to Puerto Rico right away. That is a long trip, and you had to uproot your entire family and whatever business you have and then move it to Puerto Rico. Just amazing to me. I, but I wonder if it will trigger any kind of um, humanity among Sonny Hostin. I'm doubting it. But that's to, that's today's schadenfreude moment of the day, that Sonny Hostin got a reality check, and maybe the next time she goes running after people and yelling at uh, conservatives and saying, oh, yeah, well, your great-great-great-great-grandfather has a shady history, or George Washington, or Thomas Jefferson, etc. Well, Sonny, you want to look in the mirror? And find out, maybe you should. That's my schadenfreude moment of the day. Uh, thank you for indulging me on that. It's, it's always amazing. And I, I, we might even have more from The View because uh, The View is just such a source of, of schadenfreude for me. Uh, I always appreciate it when there is a schadenfreude moment there. And uh, Joy Behar, the ironically named one, and Sonny Hostin and Whoopi, also on the irony naming alert can be there. Uh, the um, we should do a quick check in on the polling because here the poll du jour on social media on Twitter X. I asked the question: When do you think Joe Biden is going to uh, disqualify himself as a candidate? 
Um, early question uh, by I believe Biden's done. He's toast. He's over. When does he pull the plug at the convention? Currently, 30 percent of you say, yeah, at the convention, 27 percent say in less than 90 days. So that's 57 percent saying that Biden is going to take himself out either at the convention or in the next three months. And 36 percent say never. And now um, the 6.7% of you who are Taylor Swift fans don't care about any of this. You can still vote. It's, it's on uh, social media. It's posted right there on my Twitter account. You can be a part of that. We do have to get into what happened with uh, Tucker Carlson. And we have to explain the, uh, the big reveals from the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin. Um, Matt, Henry, did you guys watch the entire two hours plus of that? I watched most of it, but when Vladimir Putin went on his little filibuster about the history of Russia dating back to the year 800, I I will admit I skimmed ahead. (laughs) That was the first 28 minutes. Yeah. But Putin sat down and it it was kind of amazing because he didn't have a single note card in front of him. He didn't have um, he didn't have a rosary around his arm. He didn't have note cards inside his vest pocket. He just started prattling off. Now, who was going to correct him? <laughs> I mean, he did have an earpiece in. That was a, for translations, right? I right, but for translations, but it could also be someone else in his ear. Oh, so you think he had a Russian history professor tell him? Now, Rasputin <laughs> showed up at. No, I, I'm sorry. I think he knows. He, you know, the guy was the head of the uh, head of the uh, what is it? The Secret Service oh, in KGB. in Russia. Of who? KGB. Yes, he yeah. was the he was the KGB chief. Well, from what I read, apparently this isn't out of the ordinary for him. He likes to go on long rants about the history of Russia whenever he does interviews. So uh, it's probably something he's uh, yeah he's pretty accustomed to. I think he's trying to wear people down. <laughs> and he did so with you because you skipped ahead. Yeah, I, the- I, I don't care. <laughs> I didn't care at all. Well, I thought Tucker was pretty brave and he came up with some uh, very interesting statements. We'll, we'll review some of that and uh, we'll take your calls as well at 855-839-1210. Anything you learn from that. There's more about Joey Biden. Uh, I have to play you this really, I, I think this is kind of random. Something I noticed um, last night when Biden came out to talk, and uh, it's it's in a room that has a historically famous moment in the White House, and uh, I, I think um, just maybe maybe I'm I'm one of a handful of people who who saw this and said, "Oh, that's weird. How how did we not catch that?" Well, I'll share it with you just around the corner. Uh, and then we will dive into the Tucker Carlson interview with Vladimir Putin, which I, I support his ability as a journalist to do it. I'm not a Putin fan. I will not apologize or promote Putin. I think the world would be better without him. But I think it's pretty damn brave to go over there and do it, knowing what could happen especially with the fact that there's currently a Wall Street Journal reporter being held in Russia and no sign of this government getting him out. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. 
I don't know what this song is, but I'm, I'm kind of thinking it's from a Bollywood movie. No. No, it's not? It was a long ago. It could be. It could be a dance number in one of those Bollywood films, right? There's nothing to do with Bollywood, I'll say that. All right. All right. I'm not against it. I'm just saying it's it's how I kind of see what's going on in the background. There's a lot of dancing, like in a Bollywood film. Yeah. No, it's definitely a a dancing-type song. It's called uh, Rasputin by Boney M. Okay. Not going to be on my Spotify list. That's oh, for I sure. think it should. I think it should. I think this song's great. Well, that's good. I, I'm trying to turn you on to this right now. There's not a there's not a took us for every seat in the theater. That's all I'm going to say. That's an old proverb. Uh, we are asking the question today on the Zioli Show. It's kind of a an uh, homage to Dom. It's kind of a side question. Uh, I was just thinking about this as we're in in Super Bowl weekend mode. Uh, what was the worst halftime show? And somebody wrote in on uh, social media and said, I got to think the worst halftime show was the one with Shania Twain. Now, that made made the like middle of the list, but it's not on my worst list. Nobody has written in or called in with my my worst list. And there are a bunch of good ones. Um, and I disagree with the claim that uh, Matt said earlier about uh, Janet Jackson, Justin Timberlake. I, I, the entertainment was good. It just became controversial. <laughs> My argument is that CBS received a $500,000 fine, and that makes it the worst. That's like a half a commercial. <laughs> it's a big fine. It's an FCC record, I think. Good for them. <laughs> Hey, we hold an FCC record. <laughs> a lot of people are going to watch this weekend just because of St. Taylor, and uh, they're all going to be interested. And I, I love the fact that people are saying the advertisers are tailor-making their, their ads to females this year for the Super Bowl. No, they're not. They're not. That's really not a case. And you, you can't tell us what a female is. You know, ask Katenji Brown-Jackson. It's not possible. So, uh, <laughs> It's going to be very interesting. I've already seen the Bud Light commercial. Have you guys seen the the Bud Light We're Sorry commercial? It doesn't say they're sorry, but it's their kind of, hey, uh, we're trying to get back to normal. Is that the one with Shane Gillis in it? No, this is the one it has got a whole bunch of people in it. Oh, interesting. No, I haven't seen it yet. It's a really, I'll, I'll send you a link to it. It's hard to explain because it's very visual. But I think uh, Bud Light is is trying to spend a lot of money to get back in the good graces of America. But, you know, we have long memories and also we have taste buds. I think that the, the people at Anheuser-Busch would be wise to remember it wasn't just uh, Heiner Schneid, but it was the fact that people started trying other beers and realizing there's a whole lot of other better beers out there than Bud Light. And they can bring back the Clydesdales. They could do whatever they want. You can pay... Uh, you can pay um, Eli Manning a lot of money to show up in a spot that I don't think it's going to win the hearts and minds and taste buds back of America. I could be wrong. We'll find out. We'll see this weekend. But uh, if you have an idea for the worst, the worst halftime show, we're discounting the first 24 because they were just garbage and they didn't have all the money poured into them. There's a whole lot of money poured into 
the Super Bowl halftime shows starting in year 25, you know, when they suddenly got corporate sponsorships. And some of those corporate sponsorships led to some of the worst halftime shows, in my opinion. So you're welcome to join the conversation and share with us your worst Super Bowl halftime show. 855-839-1210 is the number. Now, Tucker Carlson went to Moscow and sat down with uh, Put, Vladimir Putin. And it's, it's kind of remarkable that, A, this happened, and then that the rest of the mainstream media attempted to slam him for doing it. All he was trying to do was his job as a journalist and get out there and interview newsmakers. And people are saying, well, the guy's a, he's a dictator. Yes, he is. He's waging war against a, a friend of ours. Well, yes, he is. And let's all remember that Time Magazine named Hitler the man of the year one year, too. Have you called for Time Magazine? Well, I guess Time Magazine's seen its better days as well. But this, the fact that he could get over there and get an interview one-on-one with Putin, and, and it was a long interview, and some of that, I think if you had, had to um, change the um, delay from the translation, it wasn't that long of a delay, was it? It felt like it was just, I think Putin understands English, but he doesn't want to converse back in English because he wants to be able to be uh, as precise as possible. Does that make sense? Yeah, I was thinking the same thing. His responses were pretty quick. Oh, I did have that earpiece in. I don't know how quickly they were, you know, spewing the English version of what, or sorry, the Russian version of what um, Tucker Carlson was saying. But it, it was it was fast. I, I'm sure he speaks a little bit of English. Now, have you ever been in a room where? another language was being spoken and you had to put in one of those earpieces like did you ever go on a field trip to the un uh no i've not it's kind of weird and i've been to the un and sat in the audience at the general assembly and whenever somebody's in there in in the aisles they have little earpieces you can pick up and and put one on your ear and they'll say english or spanish or french and you can pick a certain earpiece and you can listen to get the translation it's kind of handy oh that's really cool how quick is the translation made is it instantaneous it's pretty quick oh wow it was pretty quick and i i was there for uh, it, it's a long time ago but um it, they're not the most high-tech headphone setups you know it's just kind of a <laughs> and then now today you'd be thinking whose ear has this been in do I really want to put this in my ear? No. But they, they do that. But it is, it's kind of disturbing because you're hearing the, the speaker, but then you're hearing the translator in your ear, and you go, I hope they're getting this right. And I'm sure Putin's translators, uh, they've been vetted very well, or they've been pushed out of a window, a very high window. But that was a, a fascinating interview um, last night. I, I thought one of the interesting things was... Um, that Tucker Carlson, as I said, has been getting a lot of heat. And now he's up over, is he close to $150 million on the views yet? Uh, I think he's at $146 million in views. Uh, we must have helped him out by promoting it. Good. <laughs> I, I, I hope we did. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's definitely us. Yeah. No, you're not supposed to go over there and listen to that right now. You're supposed to stay with <laughs> us. But um, I, I take you back to 
2023, when Alexandria Occasionally Coherent took to social media to celebrate the firing of Tucker Carlson. Tucker Carlson is out at Fox News. Couldn't have happened to a better guy. Um, What I will say, though, is while I'm very glad that the person that was arguably responsible for the some of the largest driving some of the most uh, amounts of death threats and violent threats, not just to my office, but to plenty of people across the country. Um, I also kind of feel like I'm like waiting for the cutscene at the end of a Marvel movie after all the credits have rolled. And then you see like the villains like hand reemerge out to grip, grip over like the end of a building or something. But Deplatforming works, and it is important. And um, there you go. Deplatforming works. Also, she couldn't make a reference to something really clever, like Carrie and the hand coming up out of the grave at the end of the Stephen King thriller. Carrie. No, she has to go to a Marvel film. Uh, and and this is some of the Democrats are looking to as a possible leader in the future for their party. But AOC had a schadenfreude moment uh, last year when uh, Tucker Carlson was fired from Fox. And now he appears to be doing so much better. Um, Again, I said that uh, Fox has uh, just about 2 million people for each primetime show it hosts on the network. And now Tucker with this, just this one interview, and he regularly gets 10 million for his pieces. But the Vladimir Putin interview now currently, uh, I'm looking at Tucker Carlson on Twitter X and it's saying 146 million on those are hits. Now, that doesn't mean that's 146 million people who stayed through the entire two hours and seven minutes, whatever it was, two hours and seven minutes of this thing. It just means people have come and gone because I couldn't stay with it for two hours and seven minutes. I have a life, but I will come back. And um, uh, Henry uh, or um, Matthew, do we have the clip where Tucker talked about blowing up the Nord Stream pipeline? Uh, I don't have that, but if you give me a second, I can find it. Okay, because I'm, I'm going to play something before that, which I thought was really interesting. Um, the Nord Stream 2 pipeline was a big stinking deal. And, you know, the fact that this thing blew up and created a problem for Russia and also maybe for Eastern Europe in supplying energy. Uh, it was something that a long time ago, like when it happened, not that long ago, like two years ago, uh, Joe Biden spoke about what would happen if uh, Russia went into Ukraine and the Nord Stream pipeline was one of the assets he warned them about. If Russia invades, uh, that means tanks or troops crossing the, uh, the, the border of Ukraine uh, again, then uh, there, will be, uh, we, there will be no longer a Nord Stream 2. We, we will bring an end to it. But, do, but how, will you, how will you do that exactly since the project and control of the project is within Germany's control? We will, uh, I promise you, we'll be able to do it. So Biden, before Russia fully invaded Ukraine, basically said, if you go in there, 
the Nord Stream 2 pipeline will not be in existence anymore. And then once it happened, the story seemed to change with Joe. It was a, a deliberate act of sabotage. And now the Russians are pumping out disinformation and lies. We're going to work with our allies to get to the bottom exactly what it precisely what happened. Now, that just those two clips of Biden contradicting himself seem to be really what may have sparked the exchange between Tucker Carlson and Vladimir Putin in the interview that aired last night. If you guys have that clip. Pull up Nord Stream. <laughs> you for sure. I was busy that day. <laughs> Nate, it, do you have... Do you have <laughs> uh, I did not pull up Nord Stream. Uh, <laughs> thank you, though. may have an alibi, but the CIA has no such alibi. Do you have evidence that NATO or the CIA did it? You know, I won't get into details, but people always say in such cases, look for someone who is interested. But I'm confused. I mean, that's the biggest act of industrial terrorism ever, and it's the largest emission of CO2 in, in history. Okay, so if you had evidence, and presumably given your security services, your intel services, you would, that NATO, the U.S., CIA, the West did this, why wouldn't you present it and win a propaganda victory? <laughs> In the war of propaganda, it is very difficult to defeat the United States because the United States controls all the world's media and many European media. The ultimate beneficiary of the biggest European media are American financial institutions. Don't you know that? So it is possible to get involved in this work but it is cost prohibitive, so to speak. We can simply shine the spotlight on our sources of information and we will not achieve results. Kind of scary that the, the, the translator's voice is almost as terrifying as Putin's, is it not? <laughs> he sounds like a robot. Well, he, yeah, it sounds kind of AI-ish, yeah. doesn't it? Yeah. A little bit there. But yeah, it really feels like the uh, the guy that's the translator, I bet he's very close to Vlad, and I bet they've set that up. But for Putin to say, for well, first of all, for uh, Tucker to say, hey, who blew up the Nord Stream two pipeline? Just to look Putin in the eye and ask that question is kind of requires a very large pair, if you will, and and Tucker Carlson may have that very large pair, and then Putin goes, you did. And Tucker right then saying, um, I, I was off that day. But basically, this is Putin saying, uh, you guys, well, you guys blew it up. And the CIA is who we expect. And uh, you're the propaganda experts. This is amazing. This is this happened. It's just astounding. There's more and we need a little more time. So I'm going to step away here when we come back. We should uh, continue on with a little bit more, especially uh, this is the clip that um, I think it was uh, Matthew. You're the one who said this is the question about the journalist that was the 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 most brave moment of oh, Tucker yeah, Carlson. For sure, because he just right. keeps pushing back. We'll go back to that. We'll come back. It is uh, Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on the Zioli Show and Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. Thanks for listening to the Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHD and the Odyssey app. 
It is 448 on a Friday, Friday Luya to you here on the Zioli Show. Michael Pelka in for my buddy, Rich Zioli. And yes, I do call him a friend. He's not just like a media friend. We were actually supposed to get together this week and uh, exchange uh, some bourbon because we both share that predilection for uh, good bourbons. But his uh, hanging out with the author and then I had to fill in for him. And that. So next, I think Monday. I'm going to see Zioli. If I do, Henry, Matthew, I might be coming into uh, Philly, and I'm going to tell Rich we need to bring some Tommy Denex into the studio. Ooh, I agree with that. Yeah. So, you know, if that happens, I'll text you early. I guess we could have done this during the commercials, but, <laughs> you know, I have absolutely no control, no self-control. Now I'm starving. I'm, I'm starving like a garbage man on a hot day. And I'll explain that to you one day. Uh, we were talking about um, Vladimir Putin and uh, American journalist Tucker Carlson. It, it truly is um, one of the big stories in the country. I know everybody's pointing out the story of yesterday and the special counsel and Joe Biden getting all angry and stuff and, and talking about the Supreme Court. But Tucker Carlson's sit down with Vladimir Putin really has to be one of the biggest stories. Well, it's the biggest story this hour, courtesy of our friends at Venaria Dental. Thank you, Venaria Dental. Uh, but it, it has to be one of the biggest stories already of this year. And we're only like six weeks into the year. So we'll see what happens. One of the moments during this interview, which also included a half-hour Russian history lesson that uh, selectively chosen, I'm sure, I'm sure Putin left out some of the some of the important things in order to get his point across. I still think he wants to get the band back together. You know, like the, in the Blues Brothers, when they said we're getting the band back together. Uh, I think he wants the old Soviet Union back together. You know, he's got Crimea. He wants to make it official with Ukraine. And then, you know, Lithuania is getting nervous and all of the other stands are getting nervous. Uzbekistan is going, no, please, no. I, my, my wife doesn't want me to go back with the band. But one of the interesting turns in that interview was when Tucker Carlson asked about the Wall Street Journal writer who's been kept by the Soviets. I, I keep saying Soviets. I'm such a baby boomer. By the Russians. And uh, it's um, it's one of those stories that's not getting a lot of attention. And we're always told by the administration, oh, we're working in the background. We're working real hard to get them out. Well, you got Brittany Griner out. You got the one that checked all the boxes. But here's the, the white male writer from the Wall Street Journal who's still there. Here's a little bit of Tucker Carlson making his point. I just got to ask you one last question, and that's about someone who's very famous in the United States, probably not here, Evan Gershkovitz, who's the Wall Street Journal reporter. He's 32, um, and he's been in prison for almost a year. Uh, this is a huge story in the United States, and I just want to ask you directly, without getting into the details of it or your version of what happened, if as a sign of your decency, you would be willing to release him to us and we'll bring him back to the United States. We have done so many gestures of goodwill out of decency that I think we have run out of them. Oh, freeze for one second. First of all, 
the last question. He saved it for the last question. And did you notice the exasperated reaction from Putin? He was like, oh, not this question. I thought we told you don't ask. But then uh, Putin saying, um, uh, and, and well phrased too, as a sign of your decency, even though we know this guy's a murderous dictator. This is a guy who's has been known to go after his own his own political enemies, not just with lawfare like is being done to Donald Trump, but he he poisons people. Not personally, he's got he's got people who do that for him, and, and people somehow disappear. So for for Tucker Carlson to say, you know, it's a sign of uh, goodwill and your decency. Could you consider letting us letting us take him home? We got an extra seat on the plane. Uh, we could we could fit him on the plane. Could you? And Putin's reaction is, uh, we've done so many good things for you already. Let it go. Okay. No, we have never seen anyone reciprocate to us in a similar manner. However, in theory, we can say that we do not rule out that we can do that. If our partners take reciprocal steps. When I talk about the partners, I, first of all, refer to special services. Special services are in contact with one another, but there are certain terms being discussed via special services channels. Pause it for one second. Um, Henry, do you know about the United States Department of Special Services? Do we know where that's headquartered? I have never heard of that in my entire life. I think I need to be working for special services. That Clearly. sounds like a, a job that nobody is checking on you, right? No. <laughs> I've never heard about uh, special services. They're talking back and forth to each other. It sounds made up. I, <laughs> probably, it, so, it sounds like a job that like George Costanza would try and use to like. Jerry, get... I'm working for special services. <laughs> <laughs> Putin special service. Well, Biden's got. Well, you know, John Kerry's gotten away with being the climate czar and having all those people work for him for years and no one knows who they are. I wonder if he's in special services. Hmm. So apparently special services is the entertainment branch of the American military or was at least during world war II. Yeah. I think we've changed that a little <laughs> <Yeah>. bit. <laughs> I, I'm just saying based on, I don't think Putin's talking to the Bob Hope wing of special <laughs> services. <laughs> Yeah, we got the USO on the line. They want to know if uh, if, they, if you can let uh, Gershkovitz go. And who are we holding that he's negotiating for? That's what I want to know. Get special services on the phone and find out who the hell we're holding. So that was Tucker's first ask, but he continues pushing, doesn't he? Yeah. All right. I let believe an agreement can be reached. <laughs> So typically, I mean, this stuff has happened for obviously centuries. One country catches another spy within its borders. It trades it for one of its own intel guys in another country. I think what makes it, and it's not my business, but what makes this difference is the guy's obviously not a spy. He's a kid. And maybe he was breaking your law in some way, but he's not a super spy. And everybody knows that. And he's being held hostage in exchange, which is true. With respect, it's true. And everyone knows it's true. So maybe he's in a different category. Maybe it's not fair to ask for you know somebody else in exchange for letting him out. Maybe it degrades Russia to do that. 
Вы знаете, ну, можно как угодно говорить, что такое шпион, что не шпион. You know, you can give different interpretations to what constitutes a spy. I love this. I love the fact that Tucker gotta know and then went back and said, look, he's a kid, he's 32. What are you thinking? You've been president for 25 years. This guy's barely been on the earth a little longer than you've been president. Come on. Just let you don't really want anybody for this guy, do you? And then Putin gives him the exasperated. Just let it go. Sounds like me when I'm arguing with my wife and she brings something up again. So he tried. He tried three times and got shut down and he didn't get escorted into a room to meet and become a new roommate for Gershkovitz. So that was a good deal. Kind of an amazing thing to be across from a guy who's considered a murderer. And uh, remember Joe Biden talked about saying uh, he can't be allowed to stay in office. The angry outburst. This, this man cannot be allowed to stay in office. And then, uh, He had to walk that back the next day. I wonder if the State Department's debriefing Tucker, if he'll talk about that. He had something to say after the interview. Maybe we'll play a little bit of that, but we got to wrap up this hour. It is uh, the Zioli Show, Opelka in for Rich Zioli. We're talking about the worst Super Bowl halftime shows as well. 855-839-1210. We'll update that and a lot more just around the corner. Rich Zioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210. WPHT. And on the free Odyssey app. WPHD, WPHD, HD, WOGL, HD3, Philadelphia. From the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios, where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now, this is the drive at of non-stop talk with Rich Zioli. It is not Rich Zioli, but it is The Drive at Five. Michael Pelka is my name in for my friend Rich Zioli, and we are going to kick off this hour with this 30 minutes of non-stop talk covering um, as much as we can. Because let's face it, it is a news-packed day, and we've only gotten to uh, about a quarter of the topics, and and we're halfway through the show. Things are just piling up. On the side topic today, a question I'm asking, what was the worst Super Bowl show you've ever witnessed? And we've taken the first 24 off the table because it it wasn't what it is now. You know, it isn't the ridiculous over-the-top stuff that it is now. It was marching bands. It was the, the Coral Gables High School marching band in the first one, maybe. I'm not sure if that's accurate. It might be fake news. But uh, if you want to share, a lot of you are uh, checking in on social media, or you can call up and uh, give us your suggestion for the worst halftime show. Some pretty interesting ones. And I haven't shared mine because I don't want to taint the survey. You know, that'd be like somebody from Gallup calling you up and asking you a question. You go, well, let me tell you what I think. So we'll get to that. Uh, but I do want to talk about money. Because money is important. We still live in a capitalist country. At least I, I think we're still capitalist. I'm kind of counting on that happening uh, forever and ever and ever. And so when we hear all of the crazy statements being made by the Treasury Secretary, by the President, how Bidenomics is working, 
and yet only 28% of the people seem to think that there's actually anything good about this economy, we have to reach out to bigger brains. And that means the uh, Zioli Show in-house economist, uh, the great E.J. Antoni joining us from, of course, Heritage as well. Hello, E.J. How are you, my friend? Mike, I'm hanging in. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm hanging in, too. I, you know, it's, uh, you're in a crazier part of the world because you're in D.C. most days, aren't you? I am, unfortunately, stuck in the swamp. Well, are, are you able to carry so that you can protect yourself from all the carjackings of Washington, D.C.? <laughs> I mean, it, it, it has become uh, effectively a, a fact of life, it seems, down here. It's absolutely insane. Literally, no one is safe there. Honestly, Mike, there aren't even good and bad neighborhoods anymore. I feel like everyone is at risk all the time. Really? Oh, yeah, because the um, the former Trump official who died tragically last week, wasn't he carjacked and, and shot on K Street in the afternoon? Right, exactly. So it's it's not even just, you know, oh, I was walking down a, a dark alley in a bad part of town in the middle of the night when I was mugged. No, this can happen to you in, in a nice part of town in the middle of the day. And, and you could be, uh, you know, in the middle of the, of the sidewalk. It doesn't have to be, again, you know, down a dark alley or something stereotypical like that. Well, maybe we'll get uh, control, federal control of Washington, D.C., and take it out of the hands of the Democrats in the near future. That's one of my dreams. Let's talk about this crazy economy. I I know in just the last hour, you posted a a shocking graph that showed the federal debt crossing $34.2 trillion as as we are digging a a deeper hole with a mountain and mountain of debt. Vladimir Putin even brought up our debt with um with Tucker Carlson in that interview uh, did you hear that clip last night I I did and actually I thought he was reading right from an op-ed that I wrote almost a year ago for the Daily Caller because it it was exactly the same point that I had made then which is simply that you know the the dollar's reserve currency status gives the United States a tremendous amount of power and not just economically and to risk that reserve currency status by wielding the dollar like a political weapon uh, you know that that is an incredible uh, that does an incredible amount of harm, I should say, to the United States dollar and to the United States itself. We are throwing away our greatest monetary asset in real time. Well, when you talk about being the world's reserve currency, um, make sure I understand it correctly. In my head, that means international business deals, trades are done and settled using American dollars and no other currency really has the kind of dominance in those international marketplaces than the dollar? Well, I I would say that actually stems from the reserve currency status, which is basically that uh, what, what other nations do is they choose to hold dollars as their reserves. Now, one of the things that you usually use those reserves for are settling those types of international transactions that you just described. But you also have central banks who will hold those dollars as reserves as well, and other institutions too, particularly throughout the banking sector. So it creates this tremendous demand for dollars around the world. And that's one of the things that has allowed us to export deficits and therefore export inflation around the world for the last 70 years. And and you know, it, again, it's a tremendous amount of power, not just economical, 
and and you're throwing that away when you do things like confiscate the reserves that Russia had. You know, let, let's be sure we were clear on this. These were not American dollars, right? They were United States dollars in that sense, but they weren't owned by Americans or any American institution. The Russian central bank traded for these dollars. And what did the United States do? They said, haha, just kidding. We're going to take those back now. And so for the first time, literally in American history, the Biden administration chose to turn our currency into some kind of political weapon. I mean, this is something we didn't even do to the Soviets during the Cold War, just just for some context here. You can't fool around with the currency and pretend that it is it is still non-political. Well, isn't there, you know, I, I know we put tariffs on countries that are not playing fair and, and, and doing things we don't like them to do. And we kind of froze assets, Iranian assets for years and years and years. If Russia is invading a friend of ours or someone we consider to be a potential friend of ours, is it really that wrong for us to ice their dollars or did we... Can we freeze it or did we actually take it? No, these have been taken at this point. And, and I want to emphasize, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, hey, this institution is not allowed to conduct transactions for, uh, for Iran, let's say, right? That's very different than, than what we did here with Russia, where we took something that was Russian property and confiscated it. I mean, that's that's not even something we do, you know, with with sanctions. With with sanctions, we may say, you know, we're not going to buy any of your exports in this category or that category, or maybe any at all. Uh, that's one option. You could say we're going to impose an additional tax on your exports, you know, and, and measures like that. But again, that's that's very different from saying that the dollar is no longer just a medium of exchange. It's no longer a store of value. Now it's something different. Now it's something that we can turn on and off like a light switch, depending on on what our political whims happen to be. So instead of using it as a political cudgel, you'd prefer it to be used as an economic carrot to stimulate trade and exchanges between nations and businesses, etc.? Oh, certainly, because, you know, as much as Russia gets all the attention, China, I think, is is a much bigger adversary for the United States today. And what has China been doing since we made this terrible decision with with Russian owned American dollars? China has been going around the world and telling other countries, do you see what Biden did? How much longer do you think it will be before he does something to your country, something similar, because you're not implementing the green climate policies that he wants or because your pro-life laws are too strict for the pro-abortion Biden administration or you know, un- until uh, he until your let's say your gun laws run afoul of the Biden administration. Maybe you have a little too much freedom when it comes to firearms. And what are nations around the world doing in response they're saying, hmm, you're right, that is a risk, and we are now less likely to hold dollars, or we're going to hold fewer dollars in reserve. And now you're seeing as a result of that, more countries are deciding to not trade in dollars internationally. But is there another choice? Because isn't the Chinese currency one of the weakest currencies of all the of large countries out there? 
Well, when, when we talk about the strength or the weakness of a, of a currency, everything's relative, right? So, you know, just because you, you need, let's say, a, a hundred yuan to get uh, one dollar or 300 or 500, whatever the case may be, you know, those are changes that unless they're happening uh, or I should say, unless there's a change that's happening in real time, those exchange rates simply work themselves out over time. And so you need fewer dollars to buy a, a certain thing in China, and you need more yuan to buy that same thing in the United States. But those currencies trade in as, as an equivalent unit. What I mean by that is there is a certain amount of dollars and there's a certain amount of yuan and there's a, a certain demand for each of those as well. And so those things simply equalize over time so that it's not as if someone doing a, a job in China and someone doing the exact same job in the United States will have these gross disparities in terms of both what they earn and what they can purchase with those earnings. I, I believe ultimately in Correct me if I'm wrong, please, that you're saying that the, the market actually corrects any kind of government interference or any kind of tweaking, that the free market will ultimately decide which currency is going to be the strongest and which is not going to be as strong or the weakest. Right. But, but even when we have one currency that's stronger than another, prices eventually adjust over time. And so if, yeah. if the dollar, let's say, gets stronger than another currency, what happens? Well, now you need fewer dollars to buy something and you need more of that other currency to buy the exact same thing. So you will just have prices adjust over time as you're describing that that free market mechanism will work its magic. I hope so. I, I'm such a believer in the market. Let's talk about uh, our economy right now and what you see that concerns you. Obviously, debt's a big deal. I have one of those um, debt badges that Thomas Massey created. I don't know if you've seen them. They're they're about an, uh, two inches long. It's a little black badge with an LED readout that is a live version of uh, the debt clock. And it just keeps going up and up and up, and it's it's over thirty four point two trillion. I'm charging it right now because the battery wears out. It's it's moving so quickly. Um, <laughs> is, is, is that federal debt an an imminent danger to us? And and where does it hit us most immediately? Uh, I mean, it's an imminent danger in the sense that we're already feeling some of the impacts from it. You know, if if you're wondering where did the government get all of the money. Uh, that it spent and all of all of this additional debt that it issued, where did it actually get get the value for all of those dollars? You know, they're taking it out of your hide right now in the form of higher prices. Every time you, you go to the grocery store, go to the hardware store, gas station, uh, you know, you, you go to the link or you go to the well to watch a, a, a ball game, whatever the case may be. You're always spending more, and that additional money is essentially indirectly going to pay for all of this debt through the hidden tax of inflation. So in that sense, it's already an imminent danger because you're already being penalized for it. But you know, looking at that, uh, taking a more long-term view, uh, you know, the higher interest rates that we see today, that's going to get worse if we continue down this path of growing this debt nonstop, but this thing just snowballs more and more and more as time goes on. 
So, the, you know, things like those higher interest rates that are making buying a home prohibitively expensive for so many people today, that's just one example of how the problem will get worse and worse over time. And and the home buying cost being so tough for so many people has pushed the rental market into new highs. I just saw a graph during the break ahead of your appearance, and we're talking with E.J. Antoni here, uh, the uh, Zioli Show economist, uh, that it looks like the average renter is now requiring 40% of their income to pay their rent when 20 years ago it was 20%. And this this has got to be scaring the heck out of you because it, it, it's, you know, it's showing that it's not only tough to buy a house, but it's tough to rent a house. And what's the, what's the fix for that, EJ? How do we fix the rental market if the home ownership market is already priced out of most people's reach? Oh, dear goodness. I, I mean, well, the, the very short answer is that we simply have to undo all of the bad public policies that, that got us into this mess. But, you know, I, I'm really glad you highlighted housing because we, we really are facing a genuine cost of living crisis today. And when you look at some of these official, quote unquote, government metrics that talk about how much housing has gone up, they are grossly understating the problem. For example, the the consumer price index, which is where we get our our monthly inflation data from usually, uh, that shows that the cost of home ownership is up almost 20% in in the last uh, three years, except that when you use real-world data and not simply the rental data that they use, you find that the actual cost is four times, the actual increase, I should say, is four times as much. It's up 80%, not 20%. And and the rental market, you get results that are uh, similar in, in direction, although not as bad in terms of magnitude. So looking at how on earth do we do we fix the problem? And obviously there's a problem. How do we fix it? Well, if you can drastically reduce how much government is spending today, you will drastically reduce how much they need to borrow. What is that going to do to interest rates? Well, interest rates are a price. They're the price of, of borrowing money. And so when you decrease the demand for borrowing money, you're going to decrease the price attached to it, which again is the interest rate. As interest rates come down, now more Americans are able to afford homes. And that does that not only makes it uh, possible for those Americans to buy homes, but also it's going to alleviate the stress on the rental market because there are a lot of Americans today who are renting because home ownership is so unaffordable. And so as, as you reduce that demand for renting, you can also bring down the price of rents. Well, if I can't, if I can't tell the government to stop spending so much, or they're not going to listen to Michael Pelka calling up and go, hey, you're spending too much of my money and it's costing me and I can't afford to get a, a loan to buy a house or a loan on a car and uh, my groceries are still 21% or 17% higher than when, when Donald Trump was here. Is that really the biggest problem or is there a bigger issue, EJ, with the credit card debt that I saw today is now at an all-time high? Is that a bigger threat than the government threat, the, debt, the government national debt? Well, a lot of these things tie together, right? Why, why is, is credit card debt so bad today? It's because, again, I, I, I'm sorry I sound like a broken record, but it's true. The government spent so much money 
borrowed uh, the cash to pay for it and printed uh, what they needed to borrow, that it caused 40-year high inflation, which meant Americans had had basically no alternative but to put all these all these necessities like gasoline, like groceries, like rent, health insurance, et cetera, onto their credit cards. So credit card balances exploded. Then interest rates had to rise to deal with the inflation that was caused by all of that excessive spending, borrowing, and printing of money. And those higher interest rates created record high interest rates on the credit cards. So now at the same time, you have record high balances, you have record high interest rates, which means the financing charges are through the roof which is why now you're starting to see defaults and delinquencies on those cards, especially for young people, rise really, really fast at, at frankly, pretty scary rates. So, you know, that is another big concern, but it, it stems from the exact same problem. Well, we, we seem to have dodged a recession, EJ. We seem to have avoided what a lot of people were worried about nine months ago and that we were drifting towards a recession. And the the current administration is telling us the the Biden White House is telling us that Bidenomics is working and uh, the Treasury Secretary is telling us things are are going well. But interest rates aren't coming down. We hear the credit card debt is at a record. We hear that there is a concern about automotive loan defaults or. Uh, there are at least delinquencies there. Um, are, are there indications that the economy is strong or should we worry about something coming in the next few months? Well, look, Mike, there's actually very few indicators that say the economy is strong. But you have to remember, you can avoid a technical recession for a very, very long time if you're willing to, to spend enough money and to go far enough into debt. And, and we're seeing that today, both on the consumer side and also the government side. You know, All of this consumer spending, again, is being fueled by things like people putting uh, expenses onto credit cards. On the government side, though, I mean, just just for some perspective here as to, uh, I think, how how do you put it, Uh, as to how quickly this is spiraling out of control and how quickly things are are going downhill, even if the numbers go up. The government last quarter had to borrow over $830 billion. And what did we get for all that borrowing? We got an increase of GDP of about $300 billion. So, in other words, you are having to borrow more than $2 for every $1 you get to put into the economy. And as that debt continues to explode, the situation gets worse because more and more of government revenues, a.k.a. your tax dollars, have to be used just to pay the interest on the debt. That doesn't mean pay for anything like like paving a road or building a hospital or a school or providing benefits for a veteran. No, we're literally just paying interest. I I want all of the listeners to look at their pay stub from the the month of December and see how much they paid in personal income taxes that month and realize that two-thirds of all your personal income taxes in the month of December went to pay just the interest on the debt. Mm. Two-thirds of everything I sent to Washington, D.C. and my federal taxes went to pay the interest on the debt, and we're still having to borrow more. We're still talking about sending more money overseas to various people who are asking us to support their war efforts. And no matter what you think about it, it's getting to be more costly, 
and it's uh, it doesn't make any sense. EJ, you talk about looking at your paycheck and the individuals here. We're being told that the there is an increase now in in wages. Is that increase enough now to stave off the inflation we're currently currently experiencing? It is in terms of if you look at how much wages have gone up over the last year on average, and you look at how much prices have gone up over the last year on average. But the problem is we're still not making up for the the years before that where we lost so much of our purchasing power. Mm -hmm. And so if you compare today to January of of 2021, what you find is that the the average American – has basically taken a 4.1% pay cut. But you know that's using these official metrics a lot of which are deeply deeply flawed. You know most people don't know this Mike but the the official uh, government statistic from from the CPI on health insurance says that your your health insurance costs have gone down by about a third over the last year. I can't find a single person whose health insurance has gone down, let alone by that amount. Actually, no, I, I can think of one person whose health insurance premiums went down, and it's only because they lost their coverage, so now they don't pay anything. Wow. Yeah, there there is no reduction in health insurance costs. It's Bravo Sierra on, on my end of things. And as a matter of fact, I was talking to a buddy of mine who's on Social Security, and he said he got the notice that his Social Security payment was going up, and the next week he got a notice that his Medicare payment was going up almost the same amount. So uh, the government giveth and the government taketh away at the same time. It is just so frustrating. Um, Give us one thing you think we individually should do, EJ, in order to get through all of this. Oh, goodness. Uh, Unfortunately, a lot of Americans are are just having to work harder. They're having to get a second job, whether that's another part-time job or sometimes even another full-time job, because, again, inflation is a tax. It's just a hidden tax, but it is still a tax. It is still taking value from you. So for most Americans to get by, it means taking on additional work. I mean, hey, Mike, at the end of the day, somebody's got to pay the government, right? Someone has to pay for all this government spending. Yeah, the government's not going to let us take the month off. I, I know that. I can't say I'd like to pass this month. So it is it is the reality. Uh, but the less debt you have, people, the less the individual debt you have, uh, the uh, easier it's going to be for you to weather the storm. EJ, I appreciate uh, all of your various graphs that you post on Twitter X because you explain it for uh, financial neophytes like me so well. And it's always a pleasure to talk to you, sir, even if the the news is sometimes a little bit heavy. But I I'm a firm believer that capitalism will out in the end and that will shake off all of these uh, big spenders eventually. Mike, all we got to do is just get out of capitalism's way. And and the miracle seems to uh, seems to provide at that point. Yep, take the government piano off everybody's back, and the free markets will generate all kinds of magic. E.J. Antoni is his name. Find him at Real E.J. Antoni on Twitter X, and uh, always a pleasure to have you on, sir. Likewise, Mike. It's the 5 o'clock happy hour. On the Rich Seoli Show, brought to you by the Oceanfront Grand Hotel of Cape May, New Jersey, a premier full-service resort and conference center, Grand Hotel, 
Yeah. Don't go looking for Zioli there. Leave the guy alone if he's having a long weekend. It might be a Valentine's Day weekend for Rich. It is Michael Pelk. I'm in for my buddy. And uh, checking out social media, uh, I just noticed there were a couple of additions to uh, my question about uh, the uh, the worst, the worst Super Bowl halftime show. Uh, Richard Nataro, the president for life on uh, Twitter X, is saying easily, easily the worst Super Bowl halftime show was the one with Springsteen. It rates right up there. Now, that's kind of interesting. Because as I was going over my list of worst Super Bowl shows, Springsteen, I think, was 2009. And um, that's I, I can't stand Springsteen's politics. And I, I have to admit, I've seen him live a few times. And the music, when the big man was still alive, when little Steven was in his heyday, and uh, was pretty damn good. But I don't even remember that one being that bad. Was that really a bad Super Bowl, and I mentioned earlier, Road Warrior said that uh, the Super Bowl 37 Shania Twain was a flop because of the uh, bad lip syncing. I think they're mostly lip syncing. I don't know if you can actually do a live show in those stadiums. I love it when the anthem is live, but we don't rarely, we rarely get a chance to see a live Super Bowl halftime show. And let's see, uh, the Road Warrior also said, Gwen Stefani and Sting doing Message in a Bottle was organic and pretty damn awesome. So if you have a thought for a, uh, a great Super Bowl show, uh, that's fine. But I'm looking for the worst. And I believe I have the worst. And I will share it to you uh, an hour from now. I'm, I don't want to prejudice anyone else's choice. But I, I have one. It is, um, it is absolutely, I believe, Hands down the worst. And it's it's even worse than 1991's New Kids on the Block when they had uh, Disney theming the halftime show. Do you guys remember that when the uh, Disney company had, I guess it was on ABC, the Super Bowl, and they had the Walt Disney Company with the kids coming out with New Kids on the Block and they were singing It's a Small World After All? Uh, I have no idea what you're yeah, talking that's about. A, that's a little before my time. 1991, you guys, yeah, I I was negative eight at that point. (laughs) I hope your toes grow together. I really do. So you're at the beach and somebody goes, what's wrong with your toes? Oh, this guy put a curse on me and made my toes grow together. (laughs) Be a better swimmer then. You would, you'd swim, but you wouldn't need fins. Yeah, well, look it up. The New Kids on the Block was an embarrassment. Not just because it was New Kids on the Block, but they had a bunch of children and they were walking around singing, it's a small world after all. It's a football game. It's violent and it's beautiful and it's great. And that's not the worst halftime show. I will um, I will share more with you. You're welcome to share yours on Twitter or at 855-839-1210. We have, um, we have some really embarrassing things that were said, additional embarrassing things that were said by the president, the vice president, and more to share with you on the Zioli Show on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. Of course. Of course, that's Mark Knopfler, correct, from Dire Straits with that iconic riff. You know it. He sold his guitars last week. Did you see that story? No, I didn't. 
kind of an amazing story. It's Michael Pelka, by the way, sitting in for Rich Zioli today, Friday, Louis to you on this Friday. It's 536. And uh, that that guitar riff is so iconic from uh, an, an incredible song from the MTV era when MTV played music videos back in the early days, animated video. And they actually have had to change that song. If you go to buy that song online, if you owned a CD or a cassette tape or vinyl from the era, there's actually a missing verse from that song. Are you aware of that, Henry? No, this is the first I'm hearing of this, too. There is a reference, apparently, to George Michael and um, uses a, um, a word... A very unflattering term for a person with the lifestyle of George Mike, George Michael, and it um, it's a word that begins with an F. Yeah, I'm looking at the lyrics right now. It's at least in this version, it's still in there. Well, it might be in there, but it's not on any any version you'll hear anywhere on on radio or. Or television. And I get it. I get it. Look, it was insulting. But it was the song. It was the era. We're rewriting history. But Mark Knopfler, one of the great guitar players, uh, doesn't often get mentioned among the greats. But uh, he truly is. And he sold his guitars and it was millions and millions and millions of dollars. And you think, wow. Does that mean he's about to check out? I wonder. Uh, you could see that. I, I'm, I'm not a person that has a giant collection of anything other than some kind of weird political memorabilia. But uh, hundreds and hundreds of guitars bring in millions and millions of dollars. Good for Mark Knopfler. Uh, I said that we had a bunch of stupid things that people have said. But there, there's a story that's breaking today. I think this just came out this afternoon. There's a story about the FCC making rulings on on AI and uh, deep fakes. Have you seen this story? I think this just happened this afternoon, that the, um, the FCC has decided that all of those very realistic AI robocalls are illegal. And this came on the heels of a robocall that was sent out to most of the phones in New Hampshire the day before the New Hampshire primary that sounded like Joe Biden saying, hey, don't waste your vote in the in the primary. We're going to need it in the fall. If you vote now, you won't be able to vote in the fall. It was absolutely stupid. But then, you know, if we are not teaching civics, then people aren't learning. So that call, you guys might even have that in the archive somewhere. The deep fake of Joe Biden telling people don't vote in the New Hampshire primary. You got to save your save your vote until uh, until the fall. But now the FCC decided today this just broke earlier. Those robocalls are illegal, especially if they're realistic. And um, the uh, the Federal Communications Commission has officially declared AI created robocalls illegal. It's not a law, but it's a, an expansion of protections that are already applied to consumers under what they call the Telephone Consumer Protection Act, which I guess has legal remedies for people who are charged with issuing robocalls. The statement came out earlier from the FCC saying the Telephone 
Consumer Protection Act is the primary law the FCC uses to limit junk calls. Oh, really? Could you get the guys to stop calling me about extending my car warranty, please? And they go on to say it restricts the making of telemarketing calls and the use of automatic telephone dialing systems and artificial pre-recorded voice messages. Under FCC rules, it requires telemarketers to obtain prior express written consent from consumers before calling, robocalling them. Have you guys ever gotten a, a request for written consent to be robocalled? I haven't. <laughs> I didn't even know that was a thing. Yeah, I wish. I wonder if there's a suit we could file, a, a class action suit against these people. The um, chairwoman of the FCC, Jessica Rosenworcel, someone I've never heard of, proposed that uh, the FCC make robocalls illegal under existing law, writing that AI-generated voice cloning and images are already sowing confusion and tricking consumers. Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's, that's fair. I think that's a fair assessment. We, we have an issue with this. Now, I will tell you, I have used some of the AI technology to try and create some of these fakes for comedy purposes. For example, as I saw this was breaking, this story was coming out just this afternoon, I said, well, what, what if Joe Biden said something? So I opened up my little AI generator and I put in Joe Biden's voice from a campaign event earlier this week. And then I wrote a very brief statement for Joe Biden. And I'm using air quotes with my fingers because it's not Joe Biden, but it's an AI created Joe Biden using my words and the computer. And this was what Joe Biden in air quotes said about the upcoming election. I will beat Donald Reagan this September and you can take that to the post office. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? Sounds fairly reliable, fairly reasonably accurate. I will beat Donald Reagan this September and you can take that to the post office. Now, if I wrote out an entire script, I said, hi, it's Joe Biden. I just got a few things I want to say. And then I started robocalling people. I guess I'd be violating the FCC rules on this. Trust me, this is going to be a big deal going forward. The AI robocalls, the AI deepfake ads are going to be problematic in the upcoming election. They're going to be part and parcel of the upcoming election. And we have to make sure that we're, we're at least encouraging the government to make certain that there's a way to authenticate. Now, I'm all for comedy. But I'm not all for I'm not in for swindling. So I have to dance this line. I admittedly will tell you if it's funny, it's funny. But if it's misleading, it's a different issue altogether. It's a very different issue. I think this is a big story. It might even be the biggest story of this hour. The big story of the hour brought to you by our friends at Venaria Dental. Thank you very, very much, Venaria Dental. Keep your eyes on on the deep fake world. It really was a big deal. You guys didn't have the uh the uh, clip from Joe Biden in New Hampshire, did you? I don't think we have it. Okay, that's all right. It, it happened uh, about a week and a half ago. 
and it was it was the day before the New Hampshire primary. But uh, there are plenty of other stories for us to cover. Uh, when we get back here, I want to get into um, Kamala because after yesterday, after Joe Biden's disastrous press conference that followed the disastrous release of the special counsel's report that uh, is really going to show, I think, that the 8th of February was the first day of the end of Joe Biden's political career. I really believe that. It means suddenly that Kamala Harris is now thrust into a much more important role. Because if Joe Biden continues, and if, God forbid, he's elected again, it's almost a certainty that there will be a President Harris. And let's face it, if Joe has to step down now or soon, that reality will be here much quicker than we anticipated. And she was out and about today saying stuff that we have to share with you. So I'll take a break and come back and uh, just enjoy some Kamala Harris word salad before our dinner. It's Michael Pelka in for Rich Zioli on The Zioli Show. Thanks for listening to The Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Love Wanda. Absolutely. And I wonder, did she ever do the Super Bowl? I don't think so. I don't think so. It's Michael Pelkin for Ritzy Only on the Zioli Show on this Friday. Friday, Louie, to you. We are looking for your suggestions of the worst Super Bowl performance. I will reveal mine as close to 6.30 as possible as to not taint the the other votes. And a lot of you are weighing in on this. I think it's a good idea. I, uh, I am looking at the... Reality now, as I believe it's the end for Joe Biden. I believe we're we're now at the point where he can see the end. I think before this, Jill Biden, who I think is really the decision maker um, in all of this, she really is the person who pushed Joe into running, allowed him to say yes. And in in the uh, previous in 2016, she was the one who said no. I believe that. But I think now, as uh, Joe Biden realizes every day is the best day he's going to have for the rest of his life, it's getting worse every single day, which means the reality of a Kamala Harris presidency, should Joe have to step aside, is reality. And it's a scary reality because she's incompetent. And uh, the world knows it. Uh, How how much does the world know it? Uh, There is uh, so much understanding of how bad Kamala Harris is that the Australians have a television show every week that just spends time making fun of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. There is a woman in Australia. She's one of the main anchors on Australian TV. And um, she every week gathers dumb things that Joe Biden and Kamala Harris say, and and just puts them on blast. And she's absolutely right. But the world is laughing at us. As a matter of fact, today, I tweeted out a link to this, or a, a copy of it. The newspaper, one of the main newspapers in Western Australia, had that meme that showed Weekend at Biden's. 
You know, it was the weekend at Bernie's, but they took the poster where they were dragging him and they put Joe Biden's face on it. That was the front cover of one of the biggest Australian newspapers in their country. And it's the American president after the disastrous press conference. So that just points out the reality that Kamala Harris and uh, the reality and the possibility of a president Harris are really close. And that's scary. This is how uh, this lady regularly introduces her segments about Kamala. The cackling nincompoop who is a heartbeat away (laughs) from the presidency, the comprehensively incapable Kamala Harris comprehensively incapable yeah comprehensively incapable well kamala's out there because the democrats until yesterday really thought that their main focus for kamala was going to be to put her out there and sell the abortion thing because they believed that that was one of the the linchpins of the democrats push to keep the white house take back the house and maintain control of the Senate. They really believe that abortion is going to be a big driver. They didn't see the border becoming that big of a deal until it did become that big of a deal. But so Kamala's been out there. And then after yesterday, I'm betting that the Democrats are thinking, uh-oh, we got to get Kamala out there. She's, she's got to be front and center, not just on the abortion thing, but we have to get her out there. So they put her out today, and here's just one of the dumb things she said today. The work of community work, and in particular violence intervention, is about investing in the community. Wait a minute. So the work of community is about work in the community. Does she ever listen to herself? I'm sorry, I stopped. I should let the whole thing run. Uh, But it just drives me nuts that she's so ignorant about her own stuff. The work of community work, and in particular violence intervention, is about investing in the community, understanding our capacity, understanding the greatness, and then being motivated with that knowledge to do what we can to reduce harm, but not for the sake only of reducing harm, but in investing in the potential and the greatness. That is the essence of this work. You know, I, I think the biography for this woman needs to be entitled The Art of Saying Nothing. The Absolute Art of Saying Absolutely Nothing. Because that's what she's done. I, I have a, a list of files in my computer hard drive that just says Kamala talks and then there's dot, dot, dot. And the word word salad comes up all the time. Kamala word salad. If I just randomly, I, I didn't do this to, to set this up. This is just a random uh, adventure. I just pull up a Kamala word salad and let's see if she's gotten any better. This is from, I think, a year ago. What we need to do to reform the criminal justice system, which is something I've been working on my entire career, as you know. And that is about restructuring and thinking about how we restructure, how we think about what causes people to enter the system. So we need to restructure the system by thinking about how we restructure the system. This is why 2024 is literally the single most important election in the history of this country. 
There's no other way to say it. It is the single most important election. I, in my heart of hearts, do not believe Joe Biden is going to make it to the ballot. But I'm looking at the survey that we posted on uh, social media earlier today. And many of you believe that I'm wrong, which is okay. That's fine. I've been, I've been wrong a lot. I've been married 32 years coming up the end of this month. But it, it is, it's my belief he's not going to make it. He can't. The decline is happening so quickly. But currently, 35.5% of you believe Joe Biden is not going to pull out. He is not going to remove himself from the equation. And almost 30% of you think it's going to happen in less than 90 days. And uh, I actually thought that we might wake up this morning and, and get that reality, that announcement. But no, it's not happening. Too many things have to line up. Too many things have to happen. We talked about it on Wednesday when I was here from 6 to 7. We talked about the possibility of a Supreme Court justice stepping down like Sonia Sotomayor, who said just the workload is just too much for her. And they could move Kamala over there and then put put uh, Mr. Teeth and hair gel in there and, and you could have an easy route for Biden to get out. But I don't know if that's able to happen that quickly. But I honestly believe that we are, we are at the uh, precipice of a really important point in, in our life. We're standing on this cliff and looking over. And to me, it's nerve wracking beyond nerve wracking. All right, now that I've depressed everyone, uh, we have uh, many more things to talk about. I want to talk about this guy um, who was in the White House press briefing today. It's a guy I, I don't think I've seen. His name is Ian Sams. Have we seen Ian Sams before today, Matt? I feel like I've seen glimpses of him, glimpses of him on the Sunday shows, particularly CNN, but I don't recall him ever being called to the podium to answer um, press questions. This may have been his big debut. His big debut, yeah. <laughs> it looks like they got him out of accounting. <laughs> you know, no offense to EJ Antonio if he's still listening, but Ian Sams looked like he was well beyond his depth today, and uh, we'll share with you what he said uh today in the press briefing as well as some of the other madness there's more from the view and uh some some wisdom from joe biden and i'm using air quotes with my fingers it's michael pelka in for rizzioli on the zioli show rizzioli weekday afternoons three to seven talk radio twelve ten wphd and on the free odyssey app WOGL HD3 Philadelphia from the Cherry Hill Volvo Studios where relationships matter. Always live on the free Odyssey app. The revolution will be broadcast. This is the next generation of talk. Now on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, Rich Zioli. It is the Zioli Show. But it's Michael Pelka. That's me. I'm here and uh, happy to be here. Honored to be here. I'll be back also tomorrow night. We'll be here Saturday night, live and local, 7 to 10 p.m. So you should come back. If you're having fun today, you should come back because fun is the best thing to have. And if you knew the movie Arthur, you'd understand that quote because it is. Uh, we have a, a bunch of things to uh, consider. I'm, I'm waiting for the polling data. 
I wonder how long it's going to take for polling data to come out on yesterday's disastrous day for Joe Biden. Should be really interesting. I, I think there is a whole lot of damage control work being done right now. And uh, so much so that the White House is tapping into new and different people to stand at the microphone and take incoming from the press pool. And one of those was a guy named uh, Ian Sams, who all of us agreed. We, we kind of think we've seen him standing around in the background. Maybe he carried the, uh, the binder for KJP, cringe, as she's known in, in my circles, cringe, because that's what she makes us do, Corinne Jean-Pierre. Uh, what does Dom call her? The French lady. I think she's Haitian, but, you know, there's a lot of French down there. But uh, yesterday or today we saw Cringe was in the press room, but she turned some of the briefing over to uh, Ian Sams, somebody we we don't really have any intel on him, but um, he seems to be carrying the water appropriately and uh, gave Joe Biden a participation trophy. Or a participation ribbon. What am I talking about? Well, he was trying to explain why Joe Biden's brain had so much trouble when he was being interviewed by the special counsel and trying to give Joe Biden cover for not being able to remember things. You know, he didn't remember when he was vice president. He didn't remember when his son died, missed it by years. But, you know... He was there, damn it. So give him his trophy. He was dealing with a huge international crisis of great global consequence. And, you know, he was trying his best to to answer questions in this interview because he wanted to be fully cooperative. He was trying his best. You tried. You get a participation trophy, sir. Oh, thank God you were there. That, That was an amazing bit of nothing. The, the problem I have with what Joe Biden said yesterday was his lack of, of being accountable. And I've often said, if you've listened to me in the past, I think one of, the, one of the great problems in our country is the lack of accountability on every level. Nobody takes responsibility. And yesterday, I think you guys have this clip, Matthew, Joe Biden blamed his staff for the classified documents being in his home, his office, his garage for for five decades. But did he actually take responsibility? You take responsibility for at least being careless with classified material. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what my staff was doing. It goes in and points out things that appeared in my garage, things that came out of my home, things that were were moved not by me, but my staff, but my staff. So he threw his staff under the bus. I take responsibility for not having seen exactly what happened. No, that's not how it works. If if uh, the law was broken and you're the guy who brought the classified papers home when you were a senator or when you were vice president, this is all before you were president, Joey. You are responsible. 
not for your staff moving him around. It, it's it's wrong. It's wrong what you did. Yeah, I know. I know. The moment, though, the biggest moment, I think, of yesterday, I, I know a lot of people are saying it had to be when uh, Ducey asked him about his memory. No, it wasn't. I think the biggest moment was, again, when Joe Biden had had just about gotten out. He'd made a statement. He came out. He made a real strong appearance out there. And he sounded like he was all full of passion, even though it's probably sundowners. Look it up. It's a real thing. It's a condition for older people with with brain problems, oatmeal brains that they get all tense and angry at when the sun goes down. But um, when Joe Biden came back to answer a question about Egypt and he screwed up and it was on a geographic error as well as a misidentifying the president of a country. The conduct of the response in Gaza, in the Gaza Strip has been um, over the top. I think that, uh, as you know, initially the president of Mexico, Sisi, did not want to open up the gate to allow humanitarian material to get in. I talked to him. I convinced him to open the gate. I talked to Bibi to open the gate on the Israeli side. Now, that moment, the president of Mexico, you could hear a collective cringe in the room that the media was like, Mexico? Did he say, did he, President El Sisi, the president? Yeah, he, he did say that. Well, that blunder was so bad, was so egregious, was so awful that um, over at CNN, a guy who we thought was gone forever, I guess, I guess second chances or maybe third chances even are allowed over at CNN. Their, their chief legal correspondent, Jeffrey Tubin, who's fondly known in many circles in DC as Tube Out because Tubin had the Tube Out when he was then dismissed from his gig at CNN. But he's back because forever is what? Two years. Jeffrey Tubin last night decided that, um, that Mexico moment was a big deal. Mexico? Mexico? Where did that come from? I mean, that's the only thing anyone's going to remember from this. I, you know, he was exonerated here. And, and I think it's an easy call that he was exonerated. And I think legally, he's never had a problem with this because the issue of criminal intent was quite clearly absent in the Biden case and certainly according to the accusations in the um, in, in the Jack Smith indictment is very much present in the in the Trump case. I think they are very different. And the report even spelled this out. But Mexico, I mean, politically, how do you explain that? It's not something you explain politically. It's something you explain medically. It's something you should look into from the standpoint of the mental deterioration of this guy is so far over anyone's understanding of, of normal. This is not normal behavior. And it's happening with greater frequency. He talked about a French president who's been dead 
for over 20 years last week. This week, he talked about a German chancellor who's been dead since 2017. He sees dead people. And now he's he's mixing up world leaders. He mixes up events and world leaders. He mixes up when his son died, how his son died. He's talked about the fact this son, he's, he's basically used the excuse that his son died in uniform when he did not. Now, the tragedy of his son's death cannot be, um, cannot be underscored enough. Any family that loses a child, it's a tragedy. But Joe Biden's kid, Bo, didn't die on the battlefield. He just keeps making it sound that way because empathy and grief are his superpowers. And he tries to use them whenever he feels cornered. But this was, this was just awful. Mexico? Uh, <laughs> Jeffrey Tubin coming to, coming to the rescue, standing up. But th- there was more. Uh, the anger thing. I talked about the anger thing. Uh, Joe Biden last night talking about not sharing classified information with his ghostwriter. Not share classified information. I did not share it with your ghostwriter. With my ghostwriter, I did not. Guarantee you, did not. But the what special the, counsel said it. No, he did, did not say that. Okay, okay. He did but, not say that. But Mr. President, what other, let me okay, answer your question. The fact of the matter is, what I didn't want repeated. I didn't want him to know, and I didn't read it to him. Was I had written a long memorandum to President Obama why we should not be in this, in Afghanistan. And I was of this multiple pages. And so what I was referring to, I said classified. I should have said it was should be private because it was a contact between the president and the vice president as to what was going on. That's what he was referring to. It was not classified information in that document. Well, that contradicts what Robert Herr, the special counsel, said. Robert Herr has talked about those documents now. There's much discussion as to whether or not these um, interviews with Joe Biden were recorded. And will those recordings be available at some point? If you've got um, transcripts, those should be available. And if you've got the transcripts, then theoretically, you got to believe that the videos or even just audio recordings of this uh, interview with Joe Biden from October. It's not that long ago. Why can't we have those? Why can't those be available? I'm sure somebody's getting ready to make a freedom of information request. Those would be money right there. We're talking about that needs to come out. We shall see. So Joe, Joe Biden's saying, I did not share classified information with my ghostwriter, but you know, the, the report seems to contradict that. And even CNN, again, an outbreak of journalism at CNN. Even CNN's Ellie Honig, who I believe is at the top of their legal uh, contributor status right now, talked about Biden's denial of sharing classified documents. Here are the facts. Joe Biden, established by this report, Joe Biden retained sensitive classified documents after he left the vice presidency. Marked the, classified? Or? Yes, marked classified, highest level, top secret SCI. They related to our international affairs, to war plans, to foreign relations. He knew it. 
He knew it. He's on tape after he's out of the vice presidency saying to his autobiographer, the classified documents are in the basement. He knew it. But he just denied that. That's, exactly. that, that so was that's a key part of the report. It's a second sentence in the report, and he just denied sharing that with the ghostwriter. And I yep. just looked at this closely. Uh, they had recorded conversations between Biden and this ghostwriter. Exactly. And this ghostwriter reportedly deleted those conversations. This ghostwriter eliminated evidence. And why isn't that guy now? being brought in for questioning why isn't that guy being charged with interfering with an investigation again if we were to flip the uh, the parties here if this were donald trump and uh, donald trump's biographer donald trump's ghostwriter saying i deleted all of my conversations with mr trump that guy would be in leg irons right now he'd be perp walked Right in front of the camera, CNN would have helicopters outside of his house as the FBI raid was going on. But no, nothing, nothing about this guy. Not a, not a bit of information about this guy and him deleting those interviews with Joe Biden. Now, all of that stuff can be recaptured. And apparently, allegedly, this, um, this ghostwriter is being brought to uh, account for all of this stuff, this ghostwriter is going to have to step up and say, here's the information. I don't know if we'll ever see it, if we'll ever get a chance. It's kind of like the tapes that we're hoping to get. But uh, Mark Zwanitzer, is that his name? Mark Zwanitzer, Joe Biden's ghostwriter, deleted audio. It's near the end. It's, it's at the very end. It's like page 330-something. This guy comes out and talks about deleting it. Why isn't he, why isn't Mark Zwanitzer under indictment right now? He should be. He should be bigly. <sighs> Very irritating. Uh, Donald Trump said yesterday he wants the election against, uh, the election with Joe Biden to be held next week on Tuesday. He's, he's so excited for the Supreme Court. Uh, looks like momentum for Joe Biden. And with yesterday's press conference, Donald Trump says, let's have the election Tuesday. Just get it over with. And I, I think that would be great. It'd be nice to have a uh, debate between the two ahead of that. I don't think they're going to allow Joe Biden to debate. It's obvious after last night, a debate would be an absolute disaster. Yesterday's press conference, uh, almost 24 hours ago, continues to be the big story of the day. And it is the big story of this hour as well, brought to you by our friends at Venaria Dental. Venaria Dental, thank you. Uh, I have to get to a couple more uh, stories. It's I, I can't believe it's it's um, 620, and things are just flying away. Like I said, we have so many things to get to. Uh, the, um, the auto show, I'm a big fan of the car world. The auto show is happening right now in my old hometown of Chicago, and I'm trying to reach out to my buddy, uh, Lauren fixed the car coach to get her to give us a, an update about what's going on at the International Auto Show in the city of Chicago. Is there any big news? Plus, uh, I'm, I'm still worried about the kill switches in cars. But there's a new report out that the government is about to mandate, mandate speed limits on new cars, meaning that your car won't be able to go over the speed limit by very much 
in any area. Now, I know a lot of you are saying, well, what's the big deal? The speed limit's the speed limit. Why, why do you need to be able to go faster? We'll talk about that if we can get Lauren Fix in here. And uh, I have to reveal my choice for the worst Super Bowl halftime show. You still have time to get your vote in. You can either send it to me on social media or you can, um, you can call us at 855-839-1210. Uh, Is that the number here? I keep forgetting. <laughs> yeah, that, that's it. I do a lot of different radio stations. You know that. <laughs> I never know what city I'm in. And I regularly screw up those numbers, too. 855-839-1210. It's Opelka and Frizioli on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT. The Zioli Show on your schedule from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT in the free Odyssey app. It is 626 on a Friday. Mike Opelka in for my buddy Rich Zioli. Thank you for being here. Try and get to as many of the uh, stories as possible and uh, your calls as well. Kevin is in Bucks County calling in the program. Hello, Kevin. Welcome, sir. Hello, sir, from the micronation of Colossa. Hello. hello. <laughs> the micronation. Um, Actually, I am a citizen of another tiny country. I, yeah, know, I know. know Le- Lieberland. We talked about this. Yeah, I know. Lieberland. That's right. On the banks yeah. of the Danube River. The president was yeah. in Miami this week. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, so uh, on a side note, I, I just got your email address because uh, a friend of mine is going to invite you and um, uh, Nick uh, Kale to both uh, Philadelphia Cricket Club and Squires Golf Course. Oh, I love the Cricket um, Club. I've, I've played uh, played there twice. It is a stunning yeah. course that yeah. beats the tar um, me. But Nick won't come out to play until it's 75 degrees. Yeah, I know. I know, I know. I already, I already, I already qualified the weather. I, but also to Squires, uh, and Squires is oh bougie. But anyway, um, so just a heads up for that email address. Um, okay. So no, I, I was just telling Matt the Sancta Traitorous. Um, <laughs> uh, we need to fast track the Twenty Fifth Amendment, only so that Kamala To Harris can become president, because she will not win in the general election. Yeah, I you know uh, this is true, but uh, did you hear Dom today talking about Michelle Obama? I think that's absolutely nutso. I love Dom, but I don't think there's a snowball's chance in hell she would be the nominee. I know if Kamala becomes a temporary president, I I, I know the country is going to go. There's no way she can be our nominee, and that's why I think Newsom is the obvious choice there. But you're right, uh, President Kamala. Yeah. Toe, as you said, which is pretty funny. Uh, uh, not not going to be the on the ticket in either position, I don't think. Because if the, you lose Joe, you lose her as well. Right, right. Because because if Sotomayor were to step down now, Senate can fast track Kamala into replacing her. So you got to oh, yeah. do that before the other puzzle piece. It has you know? to be, and, and that so. that seems to flow. But uh, yeah, it's it's a scary reality that. That could happen, but I, I, I really don't think. Now, Kevin, doesn't Bucks County, don't you guys have a, a special election for a, a state? Oh, yeah, that's lower. So, so yeah, well, that's, that's within the Commonwealth, so it's outside of my jurisdiction. That's in Levittown. I'm here in Upper Southampton, and I'm literally like literally two minutes from the northeast Philadelphia border, right mm. at Buffleton and County Line Road. Okay. That's that's Levittown within Pennsylvania. So there, my local rep, 
I already have mine for for Harrisburg, uh, okay. so I couldn't even vote for her. Well, I'm I'm, yeah. ho- I'm hoping because I know my buddy Scott Pressler's been doing a lot of work registering voters and trying to get people whipped up because that would kind of change momentum for a while yeah. anyway. Hopefully, yeah. Well, I've been things. I've been I've been asking him for for to help me out. Uh, you know, for for donations, as you remember, for all my domain names that I own, including That's you right. know Anthony Fauci sucks and all those. That Greg Stalker <laughs> sucks, which I, I yeah, love saying well, all the one. time. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> hey, hey, any 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 little bit of donation can help because uh, you know the things aren't cheap. Because I have a list of about another fifty I want to grab. <laughs> um, oh, and, and I also do own. <laughs> Well, this is the one. This is the one that I'm going to talk to you guys about because I do own Moron and Moron, and Rich is not happy. Oh, with me. I'm unhappy too. We might Moron no, and but, Moron. It might have to sue you. <laughs> no, because because you know I, I I even have a better one for you guys that I will gladly give to you, um, but would be part of that conversation to help be part of it. Well, um, we're going to have to yeah, have because, a discussion. You should go to CPAC absolutely. in a couple of weeks. Um, Rich is going to be broadcasting from CPAC. And I'm going to be broadcasting from CPAC as well in Washington, D.C. It's the Conservative Political Action Conference. It is a gigantic event. And Donald Trump will be speaking this year as well as many others. And uh, there, there is a report there's going to be a, a gathering of bourbon lovers who also happen oh. to be talk radio hosts from around the country. Well, so, uh, and even better, Rich Zioli sucks, if you've ever seen that one. That's, I ha- I that's the one I told you. <laughs> well, that's the one. That's the one where I, I mentioned it redirects you to Rich's thirty-seven minute interview with Trump during the USMCA trade agreement, oh, where excellent. he's one of only two to be actually interviewed specifically by Trump himself. Where they pulled Trump pulled them into the Oval Office, and he gave uh, Rich a, a silver platter and Donna a candy dish, and then Trump said, "No, no, 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 no." Don, you get the dish, and and Rich, you get the little, you get the little, the the, you know, you get the little candy thing. Don, you get the platter, the silver I platter. Like that. Oh yeah, yeah. It's it's you know because again, and anytime I redirect these things, it's you know it's fun, not, but not never evil, right? Because I mean, with the last thing sucks. I mean, come on, you can really take it any way, but. They're always uh, like Hunter Biden, all those, Nancy think, Pelosi. I own them I all. Think, I think we understand, and we, su- yeah, we support yeah, yeah. you. And uh, Yeah, and hopefully look, monetarily. <laughs> Hasn't well, happened yet. <laughs> it, maybe we'll work some. We'll have a discussion. Our people will call your people. Yeah, and, and yeah right, and right. And I'll, I'll, well, yeah, but I'll get you, too, with, with, uh, with, with Squires and uh, Philly Cricket Club, too, because I, I just sent uh, Nick the uh, – the email today so i got your address and i'll be sending you an email uh by tomorrow well for thank you uh, i'm happy to oh, go more than I'm, welcome. I'm, I'm teeing off tomorrow no matter what the weather is at 9 20 so uh, i'll yeah, be out weather there be damned. yep weather be damned nick hill he's got to have heaters he's a he's a he's a gentle soul yeah i say that to enrage him thank you kevin i got a rock and you're roll welcome here. Yep, uh, let's, yep. let's quickly grab Jack and Cherry Hill. Jack, you have a nomination for the worst halftime show in the Super Bowl history? Yes, absolutely. In my opinion, Roseanne Barr. Did she do a halftime show? Yes, she did. And she was terrible. What year was she, that? Ma- matter, oh, God, uh, years, uh, years ago, but I don't remember. But it was 
it was I don't I don't remember if she still had her had her show on TV or not. But it was a matter of fact. I, if correct, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. But I think there was even a. A, a part when she was doing her act where she, what do you call it, kind of grabbed her genitals or something. No, I, that, I, I that, that was a baseball game. The Roseanne, Roseanne sang at a baseball game, and she did a, a kind of a, a joke where she uh, grabbed her crotch prete- and spit, pretending to be a, a baseball player. But I don't oh, think... Yeah, I, don't I, thought think that she, was at the, I thought that was at the halftime. No, 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 no. I don't think she ever did the Super Bowl because I interviewed her after the crotch grabbing thing. And that was that that was crazy. But um, but no, she never did the Super Bowl. But thank you. That's a good well, it would have been a good one. Well, that I stand corrected and I apologize. Not a problem. Not a problem. It's all it's all good. It would have been a good one. I maybe we should invite her back. Maybe we should give her a halftime show. I would like to see that. But thank you. I appreciate you being there, my friend. And there he goes. Let me tell you mine before we get out of here, and then we'll take a quick break and come back and see if we can get Lauren Fix in Chicago. She's uh, she at the Chicago uh, Auto Show, and I want to. I got a question. Uh, my choice for the worst uh, halftime show. It wasn't New Kids on the Block in 1991. It wasn't even uh, the the one that uh, the Sancta Trader said, Janet Jackson and uh, Justin Timberlake in 2004. But in 1997, the Blues Brothers came back. It was Dan Aykroyd, John Goodman, and Jim Belushi, James Belushi, entertained and i'm using air quotes with my finger at the halftime show can we give a little just a little teeny tiny clip of what that sounded like 31 halftime show select productions international proudly presents in association with radio city productions and house of blues entertainment we interrupt this program for a fox news channel special report here's katherine crier in new york we have just received a report that bluesman Elwood Blues has escaped from the Illinois State Penitentiary in Joliet, Illinois. Authorities think he may be traveling with two accomplices, Brother Z and Mighty Mac. An undisclosed source says that these men are on a mission from God and headed to the Mecca of Rhythm and Blues, New Orleans. All in the area, please beware. Now back to our regular programming. Welcome to Super Bowl 31. It was so hokey. And shame on Catherine Cryer, a legitimate newswoman, for going out there. You know, first of all, the original Blues Brothers was so good. You can't, you can't revive it without John. And they tried. Paul Schaefer was like the band leader. And they brought out ZZ Top and James Brown. But it's just never the same. So I'm sorry. Uh, the memory of Jake and Elwood Blues was tarnished by what I consider to be fake Fox News and the worst halftime show ever. When we get back, if we can get her in Chicago, we'll get Lauren Fix, the car coach, to join us, tell us what's happening, and we'll ask her about these uh, these uh, speed limiters that the government wants to put in your car. It's Opelka in for Zioli on The Zioli Show. Thanks for listening to The Zioli Show podcast from Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and the Odyssey app. Now we're talking. Now we are talking. Lover boy. Everybody's working for the weekend, and we're here at the weekend. It is Friday, Friday, Luya to you. Michael Pelkin in for Rich Zioli. And uh, I'm about ready to get into the weekend. But first, I've, I tracked down my friend Lauren Fix, the car coach. 
She talks with me just about every week, wherever I am. We talk about the automotive world, all the big news. Lauren is in my old hometown of Chicago at the Chicago Auto Show. We got to hear about that and about this uh, this craziness. The government wants to put limits on how fast we can drive, not speed limits, but actual mechanical limits on cars. Lauren Fix, welcome, my friend, and I'm happy you're in Chicago. I didn't know you were from Chicago. Oh, yeah. That's news to me. Well, then you must know my co-host, Paul Bryan. He ran the Chicago Auto Show for 20 years. So I have inside information of what's going on. I would be happy to share with you. You'll see it all coming out, pouring out slowly, but I'm happy to share with you some cars that are being revealed to the media, which is unusual, but I'm happy to see. Well, that's good. That's good that the media is getting a little respect these days. Now, question, is the auto show at the McCormick Center? Is that where it is, the big convention center? It used to be like, like two, when you go up the escalator, it was like left on the right side. And then there used to be this Jeep thing that was off, that was at the other end. That's all gone. There's only one show floor. You come to the top of the escalator, it's the left side. That's it. Hmm. Everything else is it, They even put the media center on the show floor to take up space. So the show is substantially smaller. However, if you live in the Chicago area and you like you want to go, it is a wonderful place to take your family. So for the consumer, the auto shows are still extremely important. For the media, not as much, which is really sad. The consumer electronic show has pretty much taken the bulk of it. Hmm. But again, it's all good for consumers. Well, it, it has great memories for me. That's where I used to hang with my dad. He and I would make a point of going there every year so what's happening at the chicago auto show what do you want to tell us about anything we can know okay first off i know for a fact because i got to see it the 2025 kia carnival now what is that if you're thinking about a minivan you're thinking honda odyssey or sienna or you know anything else this is what they call a people mover an mpv uh, if you're thinking about a minivan you have to check out the kia carnival they updated it quite a bit. They offer a hybrid powertrain as an option. So they've got bigger screens and more trim levels. It's a really cool vehicle because it has, like, if you get to be lucky enough to sit in the second row, remember we used to fight for who sat where as yeah. kids? Oh, yeah. Well, you don't want to sit in the front row. You want to sit in the second row because it's got, like, full lounge chairs that recline. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine these kids going, give me that and my gaming station, and I'm in heaven. And all of that is part of the connectivity. I mean, they've got Wi-Fi. And so as people get excited about this new Kia Carnival, they never thought about this because it's sort of an SUV slash minivan, which they kind of are. But they're big enough that you can bring your whole family. So if you've got a family of five or six, this is certainly something to consider. If you don't want those second row floor reclining, you can go with a bench seat as well. And I, I think that's the whole thing is that offering more technology, you know, better handling cars, better performance, bigger screens, infotainment. And you can say things like, hey, Kia. And it's got this multiple zone voice recognition, and it will just d pick up your voice, and it will. You can say, "I need to go to the closest, I don't know, restroom while you're driving," and it'll find it'll find it for you. So it's, that's neat. And Kia has also brought us the K5, and that is one of the few sedans they still have. Um, and the K5 was used to be like the Stinger that size. Oh yeah. I mean, they keep changing the name. I don't. Know, I don't like K5. It's like K9's a dog to me. It's it's all part of the international labeling. But they have some design updates: a new sporty interior. They have a new engine. 
They also have a turbocharged engine, so you get about 11 more horsepower. And they updated all the technology and more standard safety, which Kia's always had, and the 10-year, 100,000-mile warranty. And they have a lot of neat things. They've added, like, digital keys, so you don't have to bring your key fob with you. You just take this, it's like a credit card. You can put it in your back pocket. You can put it in your wallet hmm. and not even have the key fob. And it allows me to unlock the door for you. If you say, hey, I need to borrow your car. Oh, I have the key with me. That's a problem. We've all been there. I can just do it through my phone. So that's kind of neat that you can get in the car, start the car, lock the car. And there are just more technologies that are coming across. Ford is showing us the 2025 Ford Explorer. So I'm pretty excited about that because I'm past Explorer owner. But no more hybrid which I thought was interesting since it means they weren't selling them. So they're going to be all gasoline-powered engines, which I do appreciate. They're all going to have Ford Co-Pilot Assist, which is like that lane-centering driver assistance, faster 5G modems, eight USB connections in the new Explorer because it's a three-row SUV. Wow. And they're going to have a special sport edition called the ST, which they've had in the past. Um, it's going to have some new options and more performance, and they're going to use that three-liter EcoBoost engine, so it's going to have 400 horsepower. So that's a lot in a little in an SUV like that. That is. That's pretty amazing. All right, Lauren, I know we don't have too much time, so I want to get to this story, this shocking story to me. I was not aware of this. The government is looking to put limits on how fast my next new car can go? Yeah, well, that goes along with the kill switches. Remember the bill we're trying to get removed from the infrastructure bill of 2021? Well, this is another layer that they want to add. California, the National Highway Traffic Safety Bureau have all sort of partnered together to say, you know, we're going to, this is, again, there's always something they're going to tell you why they're doing it. We're doing that so that people won't die in car accidents. Nobody wants you to die in a car accident. No one wants you to be a drunk driver. No one wants you to do stupid things behind the wheel. But we're human. And computers make mistakes as well. There's a driverless Waymo car that hit a cyclist in San Francisco and caused some minor scratches to the car unfortunately the person that got hit is in the hospital so this is another reason autonomous cars and all this technology and all these nannies that they want to put in cars they think it's to protect you but it's really to control you and that's exactly what they want to do they want to put a speed limiter in for no more than 10 miles an hour over the speed limit for all new cars if that occurs it'll be a layer on top of the kill switch Huh. So, again, I've brought this to your attention. You only have till March 9th to put your statement in on these kill switches. And if you're not sure where to go, you can go to the federal registry. It, it's re- federalregister.gov. And when you hit the top, it's going to ask you to search. Put in NHTSA, National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, and the code is 0079. It'll pop right up. Last I looked, there was almost a thousand comments from us. Typically, they get like, you know, 20, 30 people that have to vent. But when they get buried with this kind of comments, the comments they're looking for is, are you willing to deal with the fact that the car could stop and pull over to the side of the road? Or in this case, limit your speed. We're not telling you it's okay to speed. We're telling you that they put a control on your car. And if you're ever in a situation, you need to get away from an accident or run away from somebody or anything. Fill in the blank of a million scenarios, much like the kill switches, if they control your speed limit and they control the range you can drive in an electric car and they can shut off the car if they think you're doing something that they deem, a computer deems, is not acceptable, it's going to start controlling all of your life. And once you get them in the cars, they won't go away. And I know they're already starting to happen because the cars we're getting 
have nannies in them that are so bad. I'm already driving 2025s, and I, I purposely put my hand, I won't say the brand, I put my hand over the monitor, and it put up a notification right away on the center screen. We cannot see the driver's eyes. Wow, that's amazing. Yeah. That is, you'll tell me off air, Lauren Fix, because I have to know who's already drinking the corporate Kool-Aid on this Almost one. all of them. Well, Almost all of them. We'll talk off air. But the rest okay. of you need to follow Lauren, follow her on Twitter, X, on Facebook, on Instagram, and of course, Car Coach Reports. You need to go to the Car Coach Reports channel on YouTube so you can get car smarts. Lauren, have a great time in Chicago. And if you go out for pizza, which you should, you need okay. to go to Geno's East. But if you see my name written above the wall in the back room, that's not true. That's from my high school era. That was from an angry ex. So it's not true at all. <laughs> just, just let it go. Oh, we're going there tonight for dinner. So I'll, I will make a point. <laughs> have a great I'm time. looking for that. <laughs> Thanks, Lauren. And there she goes. And and uh, Geno's East is a, a a nice little pizza place. It's it's National Pizza Day. Did you guys know that? We didn't even talk about that. It's National Pizza Day today. Yeah, I just saw that. I now I want some pizza after I'm done here. Well, you just stop by Wawa and get the pizza, uh, right? Mm, Wawa's pizza. <laughs> I I keep telling Zioli he needs to do a Wawa taste test on the pizza live on the air he needs to do a blind taste test we'll get like three different slices in here and i'll have to pick out which one the wawa one is see i think that would be great just to see if if people could uh could figure it out it, it we we should be doing that but yeah deep dish and lawrence in chicago she's she's going deep dish which you know it's it's like eating just a loaf of bread with cheese and tomato sauce on top of it but you need that in the winters in chicago not that anyone's had a winter this year, just saying. I was just checking the social media. Uh, thank you, by the way, Cherry Hill, uh, Volvo, for being our social media sponsor. Um, this is a weird question. Uh, I think this came from Road Warrior. Why is it all of the callers you get sound like they're wearing tracksuits and excessive jewelry? I think that's wrong. I'm just saying you left out too much cologne as well <laughs> because no, I didn't notice that. Did you guys notice that? I think no, I don't know. <laughs> I think our callers sound like they're all members of Mensa. Road Warrior likes to troll. Well, good for him. Who doesn't? <laughs> Who doesn't love a good troll? Thank you, Road Warrior. You should be around tomorrow. Uh, we, we have tomorrow we have to get, uh, we'll be doing a seven to 10 tomorrow night live. We'll be doing the best Super Bowl shows. We're also going to take, uh, uh, Los Angeles to task because, uh, they unveiled today three Kobe Bryant statues. Three, really? It's the house that Kobe built. That seems exciting. Three statues. It's the house that Kobe built. Michael Jordan only has one statue in Chicago. Just saying. So, uh, did Michael and, Jordan build what is it, the United Airways Center? Well, it originally was Chicago Stadium, but then they they got the hell out of the the city of Chicago because they liked their fans to be able to stay alive. It was pretty dangerous. That's a smart move. Yeah, it was a very smart move. The old Chicago Stadium w would actually move like there was an earthquake going. And uh, a big story tomorrow about a high school that banned cell phones, and the students walked out on Moss. And uh, a couple other crazy stories, plus some follow-up on today and uh, the, the anticipated timeline 
to get Joe Biden out, which I think is really already in play. I think it's it's uh, starting to happen right now. So we'll take care of that 7 to 10 o'clock tomorrow night right here on Talk Radio 1012. So you got to be here and uh, tell a friend, especially if they wear excessive jewelry and track suits. That's why we want you here. Uh, Henry, Matthew, thank you as always, as usual. It's been my pleasure, my honor. I will be here tomorrow. Till then, testudo, my friends. Testudo. Rich Scioli, weekday afternoons, 3 to 7. Talk Radio 1210, WPHT, and on the free Odyssey app. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did.